your I mouth. I think it's a new use for roofies. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Sunday, October 7th, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 450. This is No Agenda. Hunkered down in the city of Douche from Washington in the district of Columbia. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And back in northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Vaught and Buzzkill in the morning. Yeah, that's right. Bringing you once again the best podcast in the universe. In the morning to you, Citizen John. All of a sudden, you sound great. In the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, subs in the water, and the knights who support this show so generously. Indeed, indeed. And you can hear, uh, I'm, uh, you can, <laughs> the minute the show starts, here they come, they're out to get me. That's unbelievable, the amount of sirens here in uh, in Washington, D.C. Oh, really? Oh, and, you know, a lot of the, the cop cars here, they, you know, so you, some say, like, the county police, but then there are a couple that say police, and it says Homeland Security. How does that work? Well, they've given themselves a police power. It must be. And they're the ones that are always with the screaming sirens. Oh, yeah. yeah. Home, know, Homeland Security, it's, step aside, son. They're just essentially promoted rent-a-cops. I, it must be. Oh, I, and I also must say... Uh, a big in the morning to everyone listening to this program on WBCQ. Beaming out with 50,000 watts on 7.490 megahertz. How's that? What is that? Yeah, we're on. Uh, one of our producers is putting us on a 50,000 watt shortwave. Oh, on shortwave. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So we really are beaming out to all ships at sea. Hello, Ghana. <laughs> Jonestown, CQ Jonestown. <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, let me just get the. Um, so we have it's uh, seven point four nine zero megahertz, and I think maybe it, maybe it's also on five point one one zero megahertz. I don't, do we have to do call sign every fifteen minutes? Do we do we have to say do we have to say a WBCQ here with the No Agenda Show? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, there's rules, but I don't know about rebroadcasting our show being included. I like it. I, you know, he'll find out with a nasty letter from the FCC. FCC, yeah. I'm, I'm tickled pink. Well, hey, I'm, I'm taking my test. I think it's third week uh, of the month. I can take my uh, my technical test in Austin. Good. Yeah, yeah. And then, then we I, can test the repeaters. Oh, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. So I got a package in the mail. You'll get one when you get back to uh, home base. Okay. We're leaving tomorrow, so looking forward to it. What is in the package? The new HealthySurprise.com oh, box. Oh, nice. Is it big or is it the, the smaller box? It's the smaller box. Yeah. No, that we love the HealthySurprise.com box. It's great. So yeah. there's one in here that's pretty funny. And they're actually quite good. They're called Coco Runes. Coco Runes? Are they like mac- macaroons? Yes, but they're... Wonderfully raw, <laughs> made of cocoa. And here's the bull crap that's on the back. <laughs> you know, raw almond. It says raw yeah. almond flour. Oh, and then it said then it has an asterisk, and it says make 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 al- contain flour. <laughs> says our almonds are from California, and by law have to be pasteurized. However. The oils within remain raw. 
Well, isn't pasteurization like nuked with radiation? No, no, it's just boiling. Oh. Interesting. Well, so how does how do tell me explain this to me? I just didn't ask Adam. How do you pasteurize part half the product and the other half still remains raw? How does that work? Uh, they probably only boiled a little bit on the outside. <laughs> boil <it's> bull crap. <laughs> don't boil it too much, son. Everything will be good. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I just want to mention that. Uh, so we're still in uh, Washington D.C. We've been here for the Emerge Art Fair, and. Um, uh, this, uh, this, of course, has been my support of Ms. Mickey, who has uh, been so kind to support our show uh, in, a, in a trailer, I might add. So at least she put me in a, uh, well, it's kind of a hotel. You know, it doesn't it's have room service. Let's face it. It's kind of a motel. Well, I went down this morning to have breakfast, and I was just wearing, like, my, uh, you have to see what I wear when I do the show. But I really don't want to see it. <laughs> Suffice to say, the guy at the, at the quote-unquote restaurant uh, looked at me and, he went, and I and I said, "Yeah, I'm wearing my pajamas. Okay, just give me some coffee." <laughs> Wait a minute! You went down and out of the room, pretty much, down to a restaurant in pajamas, pretty much. Yeah, oh, <laughs> with my well, beard. That's where we're getting here on the show, the no agenda show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no agenda show. How you no doing? Agenda. And there, and there's people from Taiwan. What are you and, looking at? <laughs> pretty much. And there's people from Taiwan and like Denmark, and they're they're giving me the evil eye, stink eye. I'm like, what you? What's it to you? My hair is all messed up and stuff. <laughs> I don't give a crap. You couldn't slip on a pair of pants. Well, I, no, I had, but they're they're pajama kind of pants with with pockets. So right, anyway, so right. we're here and uh, and very exciting. Um, Miss Mickey's. And one of her pieces of art was featured in the printed version of the Washington Post uh, yesterday. And, of course, uh, oh, nice. she's, she's now sold some pieces. So it's very, very exciting for her. Ah, the power of the press. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, Washington Post is great. They never tell a lie. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's how it works. Power of the press. Um. But, uh, man, we've had, uh, I have some stories to tell, um, but maybe we should, uh, maybe we should thank, uh, some producers first. And, and actually, let me start off by thanking Martin JJ for doing the, uh, album art on the previous episode. Uh, outstanding job. We always look forward to what our artists produce for us. And of course, you can always see all of the art that is produced for each and every single episode, even though they may not be chosen. Uh, they are, they're great to print out and make coasters of. You can find that at uh, noagendaartgenerator.com. Would it make a great coaster set? Yeah, it's not a bad idea, actually. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just have to be the ones that were chosen for episodes. I mean, you could do all of these. Well, some of them are lewd. (laughs) So? (laughs) Well, I guess. All right, so uh, we want to thank Thomas Rice uh, for being an Instanite. Whoa. Uh, Hello. Uh, came in from Brooks, Alberta, where all the I money believe, is. Where all the money is, and I believe he just stepped outside. And he said, "Oh, wait a minute! There's a bunch of money laying around." <laughs> what? Oh, what and did he, I find here in the corner of my pocket? So he grabbed it, <laughs> and then he. Uh, we're still actually in a dispute with PayPal over this money. I might add. Oh, really? 
Yeah. How so does that? How, how does that? Oh, uh, for one thing, he somehow sent it to the old original account, right? It doesn't very very little traffic, and then this thousand dollars shows up. So they sent him a note saying, "Are you sure you're sending a thousand dollars to these guys?" And he said, "Yeah." And so <laughs> and they, they grilled him again. What? Yeah. And so then they grilled me, and I said, "Yeah." And then they grilled him, and they grilled me. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're kidding me. No, may have to actually cancel the money and send it to the other account or who something. Are, I'm not who sure. Who are these Duschenheimers over there at PayPal? That sucks. That's I. I, was, I sent it to my. We have sp- special people that supposedly help us, and we'll find out on Monday oh, when they get mean, back to work. You mean you mean people who uh, uh, who who listen to the show, or people that we have on the inside of PayPal, or both? I don't know. <laughs> All I know is they contacted me once. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, okay. Uh, well, it doesn't matter because we give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, he's a, he's an instantite. Yeah. Michael Kearns, Sir Michael Kearns, to you in Platte City, Missouri, came in with four fifty. Oh, and he holy. is uh, the member of the four fifty. The only member, and it's great to have you there, Sir Michael Kearns. Good choice. Good choice. Double Shane credit. Castile, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, will be associate executive producer, and he says. <laughs> see email for further information uh there was no email shane you have to send it again we, i looked in my spam box i, I looked, looked in mine too yeah because it came in i was like all right i'll look for it i didn't see anything either uh but because yeah. it's information on the knighthood and name information so we, we want to make sure and uh, hopefully he's listening i don't want to do we want to wait with his knighting then perhaps in case he wants it no to no be no a, it's fine no he's got the money in no, I know, but maybe he wants to, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want the knighthood bestowed upon someone else, perhaps? We want to make sure we do it right. Uh, <laughs> I, um, look, you I know, didn't get any indication. That, no, no, because he had his ring size added to his okay. follow-up. All right. Well, so you, don't, him. you don't have to, like, groan at me like it's, you know. Uh, <laughs> just because it complicates things. But when you do we'll that. forget to do it. You'll end up a black knight sometime in 2014. When you make this sound, could you just do that? When you make that sound, <sighs> could you follow that with one okay, sentence? Right? Yeah, no, you, have to, you make the sound and then you say, I'll just have an apple in my room. I have a what? <laughs> an apple in my room. I'll just have an apple in my room? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll try it. I'll give it. I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on this. Acti- okay, here we go. <clears throat> I'll just have an apple in my room. Is that good? Yes, thank you very much. Did I nail it? You nailed it. That's what my that's what my great grandmother used to say. <laughs> <laughs> that sound that you made at the beginning was the same. Like ah, and they said, "I'll just have an apple in my room because like, the dinner wasn't right or whatever." You nailed oh, it. Well, that's the way you you pass off the lousy cooking of the host. <laughs> thank you for nailing that. That was very important. <laughs> Kevin Fairchild, Land Lakes, Florida, $250, going to send blankets or water, but I decided to just send cash. I've been a total JCD fanboy ever since the days of Silicon Spin, though I was sad when Cranky Geek sent it. I was able to find him active here and on Twitch. Stay cranky, John. I'd appreciate it if Adam could send me some two-to-the-head karma. Oh, I'd be much obliged to do that. You've got karma. There you go. Of course, enjoy that. Andrew Ofisher? You think that's what his I name is? I think it's uh, Officer? <laughs> As in, hey, uh, Officer. Hey, Officer. <laughs> well, he's from I'm Chicago. Fine. I'm fine, Officer. I had nothing to drink. <laughs> so, what's your last name? Officer? officer? Hey, hey, so, what are you hey, hey, you smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's in Chicago, too, which is yeah. an interesting place to be yeah. from. 
200 bucks. First time donor to the best podcast in the universe. Can I get a de-douching and some karma? Yeah, hell yeah. You got it. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Greg Filer in Lauderdale, Minnesota, is our last associate executive producer for today's show, 450. $200 again. Roommate of longtime listener Sir Eric L. Bodenstab. Yes. And finally started listening to more than short sound bites. Uh, don't know the last time I laughed that hard. I, I guess that's good. I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> He's laughing at our de- deconstruction. Yeah, or, or just the, the general Armageddon that our, that our world is going through. Well, that's good. That's okay, very good. So that'll be, I want to remind people to help us, continue to help us uh, um, throughout the week. Uh, Dvorak.org slash NA is a place to find the donation page. ChannelDvorak.com slash NA is a backup. Also, NoAgendaNation.com and NoAgendaShow.com have buttons you can hit and get to the donation page that way. We want to thank everybody and even the lesser donors uh, for helping us. Uh, keep oh, absolutely. Thing yes, absolutely. As we uh, are on our way towards... Our fifth anniversary, which is October 23rd, and more importantly, I would say, uh, this Thursday will be 10, 11, 12, which is a very special number. It happens once every, what, 100 years, I think? 10, 11, 12, yeah. 10, 11, very 12, rare. Which equals 33, for those of you who had not. Right, I, I gotta put, I'll put that in the next newsletter. That might be a thought. Yeah. You know, it might be a donation 10, 11, uh, karma uh, opportunity for people. A bonanza. What amount of money? 33 would be the donation. That, yeah. that would be the level. All right. For those of you who have just tuned in for the first time, you are listening to... That's right. It's a jingle bonanza. And please help us propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Uh, yo, so uh, I need to discuss something uh, technical just briefly here at the top of the show because I think there is uh, something wrong with the Apple reality distortion field that we uh, need to to look into. And I know we have a lot of producers uh, on the uh, who listen to this program who understand these things. And I've I, I just haven't been able to get far enough because you know people are like hey, you stupid disc jockey. What do you know? Shut up. So um, we moved to a single hosting solution offered to us kindly by the Troika of uh, Mr. Oil. We've got Void Zero. We've got uh, uh, Gitmo Slave. These guys kind of run the infrastructure. And uh, the main reason is we wanted to uh, be independent and not uh, rel- you know, have to rely on someone else who we can't call, uh, i.e. Uh, Mevio. And, uh, you know, because we had a couple problems, so we moved everything over. And this actually happened during the tour, the Hot Pockets 2009 tour. For, for you new new listeners, that was this past summer, not, uh, not three years ago. And uh, everything was running well, and then all of a sudden we started having problems. And I, here's how I boil down the problem. iOS 6 for the iPhone was released before the iPhone 5, and we started to see uh, a lot of traffic... Uh, coming to our MP3 files, a uh, substantial amount of more traffic. Now, and uh, this is not so uh, strange because I think a lot of people uh, who listen to the program as a podcast get it on their iPhone. It seems to be kind of the still the prevalent uh, device out there, certainly for people who are subscribed and automatically get it when the show is released. 
But what we were seeing is um, these uh, iPhones connecting, disconnecting, and then starting the download over again. Uh, so we kind of saw our bandwidth uh, go up, our, our outgoing bandwidth go up quite a bit. Then the iPhone 5 was released with this new iOS 6, and it's been out of control. It's almost like a denial-of-service attack, and it is directly related to the way the iOS 6 uh, software downloads. And I've been able to uh, corroborate this uh, with other people. They're seeing similar behavior, but more importantly, uh, people are running out of their uh, AT&T or Verizon bandwidth uh, because their iPhones are doing this. And what happens invariably is when uh, we have all of these iPhones kick in automatically to try and download the show the minute it's released, uh, then you know it, we, ha- we don't have a CDN. We can't afford anything as luxurious as that. So then it almost looks like a, a denial of service attack. Then stuff starts to break, and then you know then then any phone or any uh, computer will have a download issue for a while until the you know until it kind of shakes out. That can take one or two days, and this has been a really big problem. Uh, and I'm and I'm looking squarely at it being an iOS six HTTP downloader library problem, not necessarily the, any of the apps, but how the apps access uh, files on the internet. And so hopefully people can uh, look into that and uh, and help us out because. Uh, we just don't have a CDN, and you know CDNs are much better at handling this kind of tra- traffic in a distributed manner. Um, so we just don't have that. So it's uh, hurting the show. Apparently, yeah. And I don't know what to do uh, other than just say, "Hey, help." Well, you know, Apple's some- too busy fixing their stupid maps. You know, they got no time for us. It, I think it's an attack on podcasting. <laughs> it's a war on podcasting. Exactly. Bastards. We need a jingle for this. A war on podcasting. Otherwise, you're going to have to hear us on the shortwave. <laughs> Which I hear is doing quite well. 50,000 watts. That's a lot of watts. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty big state. I wonder how much... does he? The guy must have a diesel generator. And with that kind of... You take it off the grid. With that kind of... With that bat, with the uh, frequencies that they should be getting a lot of tropospheric bounce. So we, should, we, we probably can be heard in Africa. Hello, Africa. Hello, Libya. <laughs> well, since we're on Africa as a topic, yes. how about playing the clip? China, just to keep people up to date, we started, when we started this show, we picked up on this Chinese and Africa trend yep. right away oh, yeah. because of some meetings we had with people. <laughs> really? Uh, and I, just, <laughs> I don't remember you having a meeting. There were some pick- guys from Germany that clued me into this when I was in Toronto about what was going on. And I brought up on the show a number of times. Correct. So I consider that a meeting. It was okay. over. It was All over right. a beer in the All bar. Right. But right. it's oh, the that's bar. a meeting. Yes. Okay. It is a meeting. A beer in a bar is a meeting. Um, and it's a good meeting. So th- I thought we'd update everything and play the. We got a couple of clips here. Chiners in Africa update. <laughs> this is from China. <laughs> so well and enjoying the stage experience well in the final installment of china invests we go to africa china being africa's biggest trading partner has inspired praise envy and criticism much of the criticism comes from the u.s most of the praise from africa at least one survey taken in 10 african countries shows that chinese trade and investment is viewed overwhelmingly favorable Our Correspondent Rochelle Kufo, a citizen of Ghana, has this report. 
The shortest route to downtown Nairobi, the capital of Kenya, is now this smooth ribbon of asphalt built by the Chinese. Many here also see it as the shortest route to prosperity in East Africa. In a country where the average per capita income is just $1,800 a year, Nairobi's legendary traffic jams cost the Kenyan economy an estimated half million dollars a day in extra fuel and lost man hours. But it will do more than save Kenya money. It will make money too. When completed, this 50-kilometer stretch of highway not only will complete a ring road around the city, it will be a link to neighboring Ethiopia, supporting an expansion of trade to a market with some 80 million people. It will ease traffic pressure, create job opportunities, training and skills for locals on this project. 95% of staff are locals. China is already Africa's single largest trading partner, and there's more investment capital on the way. Hey, how come we can't get some money from them Chiners for the show? Well, as things progress, I think it's possible. (laughs) Come on, Uh, man. I do have... They're investing in the U.S. I have an end-of-show clip that talks about that a little bit oh. because it's pretty peculiar what they're investing in. But then meanwhile, of course, the Chinese report – by the way, I want to say I've noticed this both with RTV, the Russian propaganda outlet, mm-hmm. and CCTV. They are being a little more aggressive at being critical. You know, They set up shop here in the U.S. to, to have their little stations. And they have been pretty reticent to go after the government because <laughs> they don't know. Right. And so now, more recently, they're just giving it to us. <laughs> and uh, I think clip two is the has uh, got a little zinger that's quite now, wait funny. A minute. Now, this is CCTV. Is that what this is? Yeah, where yeah, are they? China, Central China Television. Yeah, where, where where are they headquartered? Where are their studios? Are they in Washington? Maybe. I. We their look- studios are in China. Oh, okay. I thought they had uh, they were like RT has local studios in uh, in Hoboken right. or whatever. As far as I know, there's the Chinese have no studios here. Okay, all right. At the China Africa Forum in Beijing this year, Chinese President Hu Jintao pledged a twenty billion dollar line of credit just for the next three years. With this expansion, have come charges of exploitation, mainly from those competing for African business. On trips to Africa, U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton warned of a new colonialism threatening the continent. <laughs> the majority of Africans see things differently, preferring China's influence over America's by a wide margin. <laughs> Hillary's complaining the Chinas are in her uh, in her game. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. That's funny. One U.S. Yeah. survey conducted in 10 African countries found respondents overwhelmingly in favor of a Chinese connection. In Kenya, 91% of respondents said China's presence was positive, versus 74% who felt that way about America's. The spread was bigger in Senegal, narrower in Ghana. In Tanzania, a majority, 52%, thought American influence was a bad thing. Without a doubt, China has had a huge correlation with the increase in African GDP. And let me quickly tell you why. What happened was Chinese demand increased the demand for African commodities, lifted the price structure, so we effectively got a much better price for the things that we were selling. Although Chinese investment in more than 50 African countries has grown exponentially in the past decade, one country has done more trade with China and received more Chinese direct investment than all the African countries combined, the United States. Rochelle Akufo, CCTV, Washington. Yeah, see, I, 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 think, um, I think we should be talking to them. 
<laughs> I mean, first of all, their reports are really dry and boring. If they want some kind oh, of, you think? If, if they want some kind of news going on, you know, we could, you know, the Curry Devorak Consulting Group can certainly do a better job than that. Oh yeah, I mean, please, please, yeah, you're, they're, you're they're killing dreadful. me, dreadful, killing me with this. <laughs> wow. But anyway, I didn't realize that they were the number one trading partner with China. Oh, that oh doesn't surprise me at all, actually. No, it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know it. Yeah. Apparently, we've just been screwing the Africans over the years. <laughs> we give them some food and tell well, them yeah, to give us stuff free. It's been interesting here in D.C. because there's a lot of Africans here. The cab drivers, the guys in the restaurant, the guys sweeping the 7-Eleven. And I'm, you, know, you know me. I'm like, hey, man, where are you from? I, see, you know, I hear someone with an accent. By the way, they're not all black. This is a crazy thing. And I said, where are you from? They're like brown, all kinds of colors. Where are you from? Oh, Nairobi. Oh, where are you from? Um, what was the other one? Uh, Ken- no, not Nairobi. Uh, Nigeria. I said, oh, I got an email from your brother. Um, <laughs> they, the guy didn't get that one. But, but you can say to every single one of these people, I think I've mentioned it before, just say, oh, a lot of Chinese there. And they, their eyes light up. And then they're like, yeah. Yeah, they just love it when you say that because you know no one here in America knows anything about. They're like, I'm from I'm from uh, you know Nairobi or wherever. Like they have no idea where that is. You know Americans are too stupid, so they you know they feel kind of left you know alone and uh, isolated, except in their own little community. And so if you just come in and into their life, into their path, and you know say something like that, they love it. And even if you don't know what that, where the hell the country is, just say, oh, China, China's in there. And they'll tell you all kinds of things. They won't stop talking. It's great. <laughs> well, except for the won't stop talking well, part. No, but it's nice, you know, in, in the cab, you know, it's like you're driving around. The guys, it's nice. I like it. I like it. We, we, had, a, <laughs> we had a different cab driver here that uh, I could hear in that accent. I said, where are you from? Jerusalem, Palestine. Said, oh, you're Palestinian. <laughs> he says, that's right. In 1948, there wasn't no Israel. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I said, okay. Hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> no, no grudge whatsoever there. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting melting pot here in D.C., that's for sure. I got, uh, this is the just in time for uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, you know, of course, we have to, we've scared the uh, congressmen and the senators. That's what Janet Napolitano uh, uh, said quite literally. You know, I really hope I scared the bejesus out of them. So that they can pass all these stupid laws. And, of course, we have to bring this home now. Um, uh, obviously, we're going to scare all of you individuals, uh, how your children aren't being safe. But in case, just in case you have a small business, we want to scare you into accepting legislation after the executive order comes out. Oops. And, then of course, I would have to hit the right button. It's like a digital form of kidnapping. Your computer data held for ransom by hackers using a sophisticated new scam known as ransomware. See Silicon Valley correspondent Dan Simon is. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hold on a second. Yeah, this this is an old story. It's back, baby. It's back. Okay, play it. But. Do you know this uh, Silicon Valley correspondent uh, they speak of? I just want Dan Simon. His name? What is it? Uh, I think it's Dan Simon. Let's check again. Held for ransom by hackers using a sophisticated new scam known as ransomware. CNN Silicon Valley correspondent Dan Simon is looking into it for us. Now, do you uh, know Dan Simon? Is he a, a regular there on the Silicon Valley circuit? I never heard of him. Exactly. Steve Merrifield owns a high-end sporting goods shop. 
After 27 years in business, he'd been preparing to sell it. So it's very hard, you know, All the records for potential buyers stored on his computer server. So Merrifield was more than concerned when he realized all of his data had been frozen. The last words I remember is, this is not good. This is not good. It turned out hackers had taken control of his machine and flashed a message. For $3,000, Merrifield could have his data back. But it didn't stop there. He'd have to fork over an additional $1,000 for each week he didn't comply. You have to understand that this, this may be two or three months old, but this, John, is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so this what is was I thinking. <laughs> it's just so blatantly obvious how they do this. This is an old story. I think I first heard of this about, I think, almost a year ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, how old it is. And you can you can go online and you can get all the the ways to get out of it. It's not like this is unescapable. You know, this, the <laughs> well, whole you could always reinstall the operating system if you wanted to, and that right. would make a difference. Well, yeah. But yeah. There's a lot of ways of getting out of it. Exactly. Exactly. You, you just boot up from something else, and then it's good to go. But I was just like, wow. I mean, there's there's so many things. Of course, of course, we have the huge. Yeah, well, they mentioned. They, wait, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. They mentioned all those options. I'm sure in the story. Uh no. No. I'm sorry. No. I, I must have not heard you. You said <laughs> uh, no. 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 They uh, huh. they recommend uh, uh, getting the uh, most recent antiviral software from uh, your trusted provider. <laughs> Like these McAfee people, Don't, you know. When when will someone really catch on that it's these guys that put the viruses out there? I mean, come on. I mean, this is such an obvious scam. Big government contracts. Jeez, Louise. This is like the ratings agencies. Why would anyone trust them? So there's been a lot of really interesting legislation and. All kinds of things happening because, uh, oh yeah, we've been distracted by some bull crap. Um, for those of you who are not in the know, I'm glad that we have uh, our senior uh, financial analyst with us here, uh, economist uh, and Nobel uh, Prize winning economist uh, John C. Dvorak, to explain Hello. to explain the latest surprising jobs numbers to us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the jobs numbers actually are a new, uh, I think it was 118,000 in the plus side of the column, which is again, which is about 40 or 32,000 low from what is needed every month, which is 150,000. Now, somehow, I don't know how they jiggered it around, but they somehow managed to make it sound like there was 800,000 when there wasn't. And then the, the unemployment's dropped to 7.8% because they needed to get underneath that magic number. And it's like nobody's buying into this. It's just like a joke, except for the MSNBC. Well, it's not just MSNBC. And I'm actually very angry because it's like, hello, only one person can actually legitimately call himself the crackpot. And now they're calling Jack Welch a crackpot. They're calling all these other people crackpots. It's like, get out, get out of my business, will you? Come on, move away. Yes, Jack Welch, for people who don't know, tweeted <laughs> yeah that's that's the funny imagine thing. him tweeting that's, that's the funny hey, thing. honey how do you turn this thing on well his wife is I pretty smart tweet yeah so um okay he so tweeted that this is bogus okay so can we now because you are the one that has always been explaining re-explaining the u6 numbers uh how we you know uh the uh, the bum factor 
where the labor participation people just fall off, you know, fall off the edge of the chart and are living on the street uh, and therefore no longer counted. And that helps the number change. I mean, th- is this truly bogative? Well, let me see. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? You haven't looked at this yet? What were you no, doing? No, I haven't looked at it, but I'm, I've just decided I'm going to look at something I find more interesting, which oh, is the oh. John Williams' uh, Shadow Government Statistics. Ah, yes. This is the one Shadowstats.com. We have discussed this previously. This is a good site to go to. Okay. Shadowstats.com. My problem is, my problem is, is that around, and it's getting worse, but around, it looks like right after Obama got in, the government number started to trend down, and the sh- and this for the first time, by the way, there's three numbers. He's got the U3, which is the one that you've, that's official, it's 7.8 now. The U6, which is the old calculation, and shadow uh, stats, the SGS number, which is based on the way it would have been calculated like during the Depression. Yeah, and that's the blue line. That's the blue line. Right. And the lines were always parallel. They were just off by, you know, each one was uh, off by about 2.5%. The, the U3 was always 2.5% less or, or, or up to 5% less than the old U6, which they don't talk about anymore. And that was about 4% less than the SGS number. And they've always been in, like in a parallel. It's like, you know, those, those chalk things that you use. You put the chalk in a, thing, in a little holder and then you can make a straight three lines that are together and you can move them up and down. Anyway. Uh, yes. Yes. I remember Sorry, those from my chalk things. days. Yes. Sorry. I, yeah. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> anyway. So it's, they, and when Obama got in, they st- for the first time that I've ever seen the SGS numbers were going one way while the government numbers were going the other, causing a huge gap right now. The true unemployment rate, which I believe is the SGS number shadow government stats is just around 24%. Yeah. That's that's how many people are unemployed. And and people, you go out and hang around, it's about a quarter of the public is unemployed. So that's, uh, what, 80 million people? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, that's what the number so is. That's, uh, so that's what your entire theory is based on, is on a website, you crackpot? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Well, that is what we have been following. And uh, so where does this guy, uh, John Williams, uh, is he a, a, a Nobel laureate? Oh, he's just some statistical nut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's a guy that just made him. I, I know the time. I never met him. He has no I cred. Like Actually, I should, I should go out of my way to meet him because I believe he's in San Francisco. I think I'll do that. But whatever the case is, I just imagine him to have one of those visors that's, that's kind of a clear green and, yeah. and he's and, and he's. This is my I, after I meet him, I was finding it's different. But I imagine him to be sitting around going, "That's not right." He's probably wears a polo and drives a Corvette. He could be <laughs> with a Rolex. <coughs> one of the two. It's one of the two. Anyway, mind the gap, John C. Dvorak says. Be careful of that gap. It it is pretty amazing when you see the chart. I mean, you can look at it, shadowstats.com, right on the homepage. You click on that chart, the, the, the red, gray, and uh, blue chart, and it, it, it embiggens. And you look at it, it's like, wow, all right. And you can, you can actually change. I think you can download his data, right? And you can do stuff with it. Uh, he's, this yeah. is a really great website, and yeah. the, the, the newsletter is even better if some people want to subscribe to it. Anyway, so, of course, um, but this is obviously the uh, October surprise. 
Um, and uh, and this, some surprise. Yeah, and this is the well. It's it's been quite amazing. Um, I think this is the uh, this is the exact same number that uh, uh, that what was Bush's worst, right? Uh, George W. I think that the seven point eight or seven point nine. It was somewhere in that around that region. But it's yeah. perfect. You're like, oh, you know. So now this is down, uh, and I would call it some. I would definitely call it a. People don't. Why don't they talk about surprise. the gasoline prices when Obama got in? It was a buck eighty six. Well, so this, of course, I believe is the counterpunch. So we get the all right. So you sucked at the debate. Oh yeah, watch this. Watch the job numbers. Oh yeah, watch the gas prices. Triple A reports the statewide average is a record high four sixty one. It's well above that in many metropolitan areas, and at some stations far above that. I got gas yesterday at four sixty nine, and today I saw this at five sixty nine. I said, No, I'm not going to get it. In San Francisco, the average is four sixty nine a gallon. The lack of buyers at a station charging five oh nine shows drivers do have their limits. The fast-rising prices are linked to a string of supply disruptions, beginning with a huge fire at a San Francisco-area Chevron refinery in August. On Monday, a power failure shut down an ExxonMobil refinery in Southern California, and a crude oil pipeline in the state is also out of service. California pollution rules require a gasoline blend that isn't readily available from refineries outside the state. There's nothing else I can say except that... So there's a... There's a couple other things going on in the oil business, but maybe we just stick with California for a moment, and then I can talk. Because it seems like the new thing is uh, we need to get prices up, so let's start a fire. Uh, we've got a fire uh, at TNKBP in uh, in that's a Russia Saratov oil. We've got a, a broken stuff and a fire in Texas. I mean, it's just like, hey, we need prices to go up. Uh, light the fire, light the fire, break something, break the pump. And this is, uh, is this just very typical for California, or is this, is this possibly uh, a reverse October surprise where um, the uh, oil cabal jumps in, and because um, the prices literally went up 50 cents in a week per gallon uh, in California, which of course is President Obama's uh, big hometown. Well, uh, first of all, no one is going to set a fire at a refinery as some sort of a ruse. Well, why do you say that? These things are extremely dangerous, those refineries. <laughs> the thing, possibility of it getting out of control and blowing the thing to sky, sky high. Hey, man, we're, way. We're, we're talking about the presidency of America. I, think, I don't put anything past people like that. Well, why would the president want the gas prices to go up? This no, 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 no. I'm talking about the Republicans wanting the gas prices to uh, go the up. The Republicans are incompetent. So anyway, <laughs> let's just go with the... With the they got matches. I mean, I don't know. It's the distributors have set the prices. And this is, a, I, I'm not absolutely sure of it, but I don't think the California blend is that different than any other blend in the U.S. I think that's a bullcrap argument. Uh. The air pollution uh, uh, blends of, of petroleum products, gasoline in particular, have been normalized, I think, throughout the country. There's no reason to, what they, what, in other words, what you're putting in your car in Connecticut is junk. I don't think so. So I think that's bull crap. Well, I you, think this is just—I don't know. I mean, I think it, it's just rigged. It's just rigged. There's no reason to. And they blame it on everybody. Oh, oh, pipeline pump went down. Oh, gas has got to go up ten cents. Okay, so then, but it's the same thing. So, so whatever's going on, they blame it on that. And maybe who knows about the fire? I haven't looked at the fire. Maybe it's just like some wood burning over there. You know, it looks like a lot of smoke. You know what? Looks like a real fire. So, but you're saying the same thing. 
You're saying it's bull crap. It's set up and they're just raising the prices because they can. And I'm saying they're raising the prices because they can. Only I'm saying maybe they lit the fire so they could say they could raise, raise the prices. It's the same thing. Well, yes, your premise is questionable. Oh, well, then, uh, okay. Well, they got to blame it on something. They're blaming it on the fire. Well, they're blaming it on the fire. Well, dude, the joke is, is that when the fire took place around here, and two by months the way, ago, refined, yeah, months and months ago. And by the way, I could, I can see the refinery from the hilltop. Mm. So, I mean, it's right there. I take pictures of it once in a while. Oh, there's a refinery. Is it still burning? And uh, it wasn't that bad. It, I mean, it wasn't, uh, the thing wasn't burning to the ground, let's put it that way. Right. But they immediately jacked up prices the next day by 15 <laughs> cents. <laughs> Good. That's what you get for so, living there. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a big, big scam. Well, maybe this has something to do with it because there's a whole bunch of things um, going on at the same time. And California and Los Angeles in particular is, of course, you know, a, a very strange place for people to live. Um, they don't even have their, they truck their own water. Don't they like pump the water over a hill, over a mountain that's like pumped up 2,000 feet? Yeah, they drain the Owens Valley. Right. And turned it into a desert. It used to be one of the great agricultural growing areas. Right. Because they have all this natural water. Right. They sucked all the water out of the Owens Valley. This is the movie in Chinatown discusses some of this. Uh, and they gave it all to L.A. And so the Owens Valley is like a, a vast wasteland. It's, it's actually depressing when you fly over it. Right. But if something happened to that infrastructure, to the, to the pumps and the pipeline, then L.A. would essentially run out of water. Yeah, quite okay. quick. Right. So you see how quick they uh, apparently ran out of gas because whether it's just prices or not, I mean, there are pumps that are closed because they can't afford the gas. They can't afford to sell the gas, right? So maybe this ties right into this uh, bill that, uh, let me just bring this up for a second here. House Resolution 6566, introduced September 28th, 2012. Um Known as the, uh, this is meant to amend the Homeland Security Act of 2002 to require the administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, we, we know that as FEMA, to provide guidance and coordination for mass fatality planning and for other purposes. Very short bill, John, but I think we should just read through this so people know what uh, is being amended and then we can question why. Okay. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Findings. Congress finds the following. Emergency preparedness often plans for how to prepare and provide for survivors of a natural disaster, act of terrorism, or other man-made disaster, but fails to plan for how to prepare for and respond to mass fatalities that result from such an incident. I mean, you know, when I'm sitting at home, I'm thinking we need to know if I'm if I'm if I'm in the Congress, like, you know, I think we should have a bill about what happens with all the people die, all the dead people. From terrorism, natural disaster, or other man-made disaster. So, Section 3 of this bill calls for preparedness for mass fatalities resulting from a natural disaster, act of terrorism, or other man-made disaster. The administrator shall provide guidance to coordinate with appropriate individuals, including representatives from different communities, private sector businesses, nonprofit organizations, and religious organizations to prepare for and respond to a natural disaster, act of terrorism, or the man-made disaster that results in mass fatalities. yippee yay oh, yeah. yeah. Time to celebrate. 
come on, what is this about? Yeah, yeah, I know. People, a bunch of people sent us that. Did you read I don't it? Know. Did you Did you read it? Yeah, I did. I just said this is weird. <laughs> yeah, I, think I mean, it came in as it came in as the oh, it's FEMA camps. You know that bullshit. No, but. no, 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 no. This is not about FEMA camps. I don't think it's FEMA camps. It's just we need to prepare for the mass fatalities. I'm like, well, where's that coming? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sounds like somebody knows something we don't know. Exactly. So did you see this thing that came talking about that crazy stuff? Did you see the thing? Oh, let me dig this up. Oh. Uh, did you see the thing about um No. Oh, never mind. <laughs> can't find it this is great no i didn't oh, yeah i know this is a great show we do here <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> about the book that's coming out that's document documents uh, obama as being uh, gay uh no i have not heard about this and it was an arranged marriage between him and michelle it was put together by reverend wright wait no wait and I mean, that this, Mich- is, this michelle- is this is this is not news this is like old conspiracy theory yeah, and yeah, right, and that Michelle Obama actually spent most of her time living with, at the Jesse Jackson house. Yeah, she was supposed to marry Jesse Jackson Jr., but because he's insane, in fact, he's in the psycho ward right now, uh, he couldn't become the next president. Because that was that's what the book claims is that was the plan. Yeah, that book. Oh. <laughs> you don't actually give that any credence, do you? No, I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know, just Google the name Larry Sinclair. That's the only guy you need to hear from. <laughs> You've never consulted a book of knowledge about Larry Sinclair? Uh, I think a long time ago yeah. when we first started talking about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not even, just Google that. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's yeah. I don't think that book will uh, really see the light of day. Unlike, however... Um, this is uh, quite interesting in the ongoing campaign for the uh, most important uh, spot in uh, in our government, the new Bin Laden movie. Now, of course, we had the uh, uh, the one that uh, the Pentagon essentially uh, helped produce, and um, by the same people who did the Hurt Locker, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, we don't want to. Oh, we don't want to be confused with the the." You know, to be seen as uh, trying to do anything to help the president get elected. We're not going to show that movie until after the election. Uh, But now uh, Harvey Weinstein is out and uh, helping the president. Now, this movie is called SEAL Team 6, the raid on Osama bin Laden. It's what the Nat Geo Network calls the first fact-based film. (laughs) Uh, First of all, Nat Geo is, uh, I guess, CNN code for National Geographic. And uh, apparently it's the first fact-based film. The first... Nat Geo. Yeah, that's how you got to say it. Nat Geo, everybody. Nat Geo. You oh. can't... I guess uh, saying National Geographic takes up too many words, and you can't put in enough commercials. So Nat Geo. But it's the first fact-based film they're going to put on the air. Uh-huh. It has ever aired. Ever! 
Ever. The first facts ever on Nat Geo. Now, like you alluded to, what has everyone paying attention to this is that it's a movie distributed by the Weinstein Company. And Harvey Weinstein is a well-known President Obama fundraiser and supporter here in Hollywood. Now, this is only airing on television on Sunday, November 4th, but that's just 48 hours before Election Day. Now, there is a similar movie, Randy, that dramatizes the bin Laden raid, and that movie is Zero Dark Thirty. This has been in production for several months. This this movie has been criticized in some circles as being what people are calling propaganda for the Obama administration. Whoa. So the filmmakers of <laughs> I love how she said propaganda. Like that's that's, a, that's not true propaganda. Ridiculous. That movie decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move the release of this movie until after the election. But, Randy, you know, this movie on the Nat Geo Network seems to have Nat come out Geo. of nowhere and landed a TV slot. And, you know, with the Weinstein backing, they had to figure that this was going to raise a lot of questions, especially right before the election. So, you know, a lot of people look at this, though, and they think, well, this could be just one really long campaign ad. Really, Randy? Yeah, you know, and that's what uh, I'm sure the Romney campaign and, and the Republicans are saying we don't like this because uh, it could. It very well could. But here's the thing. It is on the. <laughs> this is this is a news station. Well, I'm sure that's what them Republicans and Romney campaign will say. And it could, it could, but... Nat Geo Network. So it's not like it's a theatrical release. It's not like it's on a major network. It is on a cable channel, a little cable channel. Little cable with channel. Harvey Weinstein's backing, you can bet that it is going to get a lot of publicity. Yeah, like we're doing right here. I mean, the, in, the incestuousness of this blows me away. It's like uh, no one's going to watch it because, you know, it's just a little, little, little itty bitty cable channel, Nat Geo. But of course, if we talk about it enough, people might go and watch it. And uh, oh, yeah, I mean, that might be a, a political campaign. Them Republicans might say that. But this brings me to um, something that happened uh, to us here in Washington, D.C. that warrants some conversation. We were propagandized and it was good, I have to say. Hold on a second. What was? Hold on. Mickey, what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> so somehow, uh, Ms. Mickey is in bed. She's not feeling well, and then all of a sudden, she just turned on the stream. Um, so, oh. we, so, so this, this, of course, is propaganda, obviously. What, uh, Chewing up more bandwidth at the house. I know. I try to tell her. It's not the house. It's the hotel room. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so this Nat Geo documentary by the Weinstein, uh, by Harvey Weinstein, is, of course, propaganda. Now, here's what happened. Um, we're in D.C., and remember I told you about Wendell Potter, who I met in uh, Chicago when I was speaking at the CUSP conference? He's the whistleblower uh, who used to be the head of communications for Cigna, and he wrote the book Deadly Spin, which is a, a big inspiration for a lot of the pharmaceutical or big pharma uh, research work that I've done that we've discussed on the show. You remember the guy? Yep. Okay. So he's in town, and he says, oh, hey. cool. Yeah, he says, hey, let me take you guys out to lunch. And, uh, yeah, no, very nice. And, you know, Wendell's, um, I think he's, he just turned 61. Um, he used to be a reporter in D.C. a long time ago, and then he became the head of corporate communications. Then he blew the whistle on Cigna, wrote this book about, you know, basically, he calls it the sickness industry instead of the health industry. And they just want to make you, uh, keep you uh, coming back for treatment and be sick and not actually uh, cure you. Uh, that's, uh, that's it. You don't have to read the book. It's all done. Now you can talk about it at cocktail parties. So he says, you know, there's this, so first he takes us out to, to lunch, and then he takes us to the press club, which is kind of a treat because 
um, he's still a member of the press club. You ever you know the press club? Yes, I know the National Press Club. You're yeah. talking about the one in Washington D.C. Yeah, have you ever been there? No. Oh, so it's kind of cool. So we, you know, he takes us up to the bar, and it kind of oozes of all the old drunk douchebags who were hanging out there. Uh, and there's a one or two, you know, like asleep in the corner snoring. But it is literally that, you know, the brown leather chairs, the bar, and the it's a club. It's it's a club. Yeah, and like and hey, and Mickey had her camera, and like three people said, "You can't take pictures here." <laughs> like, I'm just holding on to my camera, man. I'm not like doing. You just so you know, you can't take pictures. Photography forbidden up here at the press club. Uh, whatever. Yeah, that would be right. Yeah, because they're all drunk. Um, and then he says, you know, hey, I'm I'm here in D.C. because they're screening a movie that I uh, that I was interviewed for, and would you like to come tonight? And the movie is called Escape Fire. Have you heard of this? Because it just came out this uh, no. this week. Okay. So Escape Fire is, uh, um, it turns out, so we go to this so-called independent movie theater, and it's uh, the West End Theater, and the, the flyer is right there. It's called Escape Fire, a film by Matthew Heineman and Susan Fromke. A must-see, says Andy Kaufman of The Village Voice, and this is the first thing that tipped me off. An inconvenient truth for the healthcare debate. I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> So, so then we're in this in this movie theater. There's like a, maybe eighty seats, and um, and we're sitting there, and it's a, it's literally a digital projector with a screen on the wall. But it's you know it's a proper they've blacked it off and there's air conditioning. Um, but it you know it's probably no it's probably you probably have a bigger projection screen at home. And they start off with some trailers, and then coming soon to this theater is Arbitrage. That's the Richard Gere movie. I'm like what. This is not an this is an independent theater. How come they're running that? So I had to put this all together later on once we got home because it took me quite a while to figure it all out. Um, uh, so you'll find out that Roadside Attractions, which is distributing this Escape Fire movie, which is a, supposed to be this small independent uh, movie, this documentary, um, is being distributed by Roadside Attractions, who also distribute the um, the new Richard Gere movie Arbitrage, which is a Weinstein company. So, just to put that into your head. So, this movie is, is really good. Um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of storylines in it, and it's showing you um, how the healthcare industry is really just trying to keep you sick, get you on pharmaceuticals. Um, uh, there's a, lot, there's a, uh, a soldier in there, uh, Sergeant Yates, which is, I have not been able to track this guy down, interestingly enough. Um, and, you know, somehow they, the documentary crew... Gets on a C-130. This guy is coming back from Afghanistan. He had a platoon of 23. Only eight cam came back down off the mountain. The guy's on, you know, like a hundred different psychotropic drugs. And uh, he goes to the Cleveland Clinic, and he eventually uh, learns how to get off all, of, wean himself off all of the drugs through a combination of yoga, meditation, and some acupuncture. Um, now, what's interesting is I, I have not seen this Sergeant Yates interviewed anywhere. Can't find him. Uh, Sergeant Yates is also a very funny character on Family Guy, which always like makes me suspicious when they choose a name like that. Um, so there's just a lot of good things. But it doesn't really, the movie doesn't really go anywhere. It felt like it was misedited. And the whole idea of the title Escape Fire, as it starts off and says, you know, when, when forest fires... When they first discover you could create an escape fire by lighting a fire uh, to protect yourself so you can get away, you know, um, that was a revolution in, um, in firefighting. We need the same thing in healthcare. We need to light some fires to change the healthcare industry. 
And, you know, there's some, they actually even showed Obama sitting there with some of the insurance companies. You know, by, it, by the way, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. Sergeant Yates is not on Family Guy. He's on uh, South Park. Oh, so, I'm sorry, South Park. Thank you. Even better. Even funnier. Uh, so I can't find an interview with this guy, and he would be prime, of course, to interview. I've seen interviews with, uh, with the filmmaker. So then, and, um, and I'm sitting next to these two women, and I can, I, I can already feel an air of something. I don't know what it is. But then the movie ends, and then they do a Q&A. They do a Q&A with, uh, with a couple people in the audience, and Wendell is one of them. And by the way, they didn't do Wendell any justice. They had, you know, he talked about what he had done, but it, they really didn't, and I know, I know his, his shtick by now, you know, he, there's a, he has a whole bunch of solutions that he thinks is, you know, is a way to, to fix this. That doesn't come out, and there's no real clear explanation as to what the escape fire for our health care industry is, which is obviously uh, based on volume, not based on curing people. So, you know, the more uh, patients you can run through the system, that's how everyone makes more money instead of making more money for how many more, you know, for people being cured. And then they hand out a sheet. So these people get up on stage. Uh, three of them are not in the movie. Uh, or have nothing to do with the movie, and it's a, a woman from the NAACP who has who does not in the movie at all. There is um, a the uh, representative congresswoman from the District of Columbia. I didn't even know they were allowed to have one, but apparently, uh, District of Columbia does have representation. Only she can't vote. <laughs> I didn't know this. Puerto Rico does too. Uh, it, in fact, it's uh, exactly the same rights as uh, as Puerto Rico. Eleanor Holmes Norton. So she's right, up. She's a blowhard. Oh, let me tell you. Uh, Wendell's up there, and then two doctors, and they hand out this sheet: Doctors for America. And uh, and I'm like looking at this, and it's a drsforamerica.org. You can go to the website. Uh, it's located at one three 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 H. Street Northwest, 10th floor in Washington, D.C. I'll do the work for you, John, because I've learned this from you. You Google that. That also happens to be the same floor where the Center for American Progress is located. There it is. Yep. And this whole sheet is about the ACA. Are you familiar with the term ACA? No. It is the uh, shorthand version. It stands for Affordable Care Act, i.e. the Affordable Health Care Act. And now I'm like, wait a minute. And then, you know, there's, people are asking really good questions, and they're answering it all the same way. Well, the Republicans are doing the wrong thing, and we can't elect Romney. They even had a shill in the audience. A woman stood up who had been sitting next to this, uh, this Horton woman, Norton. What's her name? Uh, Norton. Holmes. Holmes Norton. She'd been sitting next to her the whole, to her the whole movie. She stands up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you think that on the debate that uh, Governor Romney was insane? And, and, and she asked the question to Wendell, and I could see Wendell go like, um, I don't think I should answer that because I don't want to politicize anything here. And so the whole movie has been hijacked into a propaganda to um, essentially saying, hey, the Affordable Care Act ain't great, but we cannot have the Republicans win and Romney win. It's just It blew my mind that that was happening. And then I see... Ebert tweeting about how great the movie is and all these douchebags. Like, oh, this is a great movie. It's not a great movie. 
<laughs> it has. I mean, I, I, I would love to speak to the maker of the movie. I believe they even edited the movie so that the true, because there is some good stuff in it. The true outcome is not in there. And I just so you know, these douchebags and who we're talking about. Uh, I did some research on Eleanor, Hol- uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, and uh, I tried to find the original audio. I couldn't. I found an NPR report, the beginning of an NPR report, from March 30th this year. Just listen to what a douchebag this is. From WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life, distributed by Public Radio International. And today we have a big, big story of money and politics that begins with a humble voicemail. Hey, this is uh, Eleanor Norton, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. Uh, I noticed that you have given to uh, other colleagues on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. I am a um, senior member, a 20-year veteran. This is voicemail that Eleanor Holmes Norton, the Democratic congressman from Washington, D.C., left for a lobbyist in the fall of 2010. We don't know who the lobbyist is, but from the voicemail we can infer that he represents a contractor who's working on the new Homeland Security Complex being built in Washington, D.C., a complex that Eleanor Holmes Norton at the time had a lot of power over. And I'm handling the largest economic development project in the United States now, the Homeland Security Compound of three buildings being built on the uh, old St. Elizabeth's Hospital site. After pointing out that she is in charge of the project that he cares about, she gets to the point. I was, uh, frankly, uh, uh, surprised to see that we don't have a record, so far as I can tell, of your having given to me, despite my uh, long and deep uh, work, essentially in your sector. I'm I'm simply candidly calling to ask for a contribution. I'm asking you to give the citizens of Eleanor Holmes Norton, P.O. Box 706. Yeah, she's, so she's calling the lobby. She's like, you know, I'm really important. I'm in charge of all this crap. And I just, it's amazing. I've been looking at the list. I, I don't understand. Where's your name? What? Yeah, she That's just what she yeah. said. Where's yeah. your name? Yeah. I don't see it. Maybe you're using a different name. Where's yeah. my money? Yeah, I haven't seen you send me money. That's literally what she says. So this douchebag is up there misusing this movie, and I'm sure this is happening everywhere with doctorsforamerica.org and what's this other one they got? Patientsoverpolitics.org. <laughs> and 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 it's you're, it, and you're well. Let's, let's no, stop no. The I'm not surprised if that's your question. I'm you're not, stunned by this corruption. <laughs> what I'm stunned by is that I. It took me until that evening, and we had dinner with Wendell, and and we were reviewing. I'm like, this went nowhere. This he says, yeah, and that was kind of weird. I could see him piecing it together too. You know, I could see it, it, we were just kind of like, it took us a while to figure it out. And I'm like, who were th- who flew you in, Wendell? He said, because you know, like, what documentary has can just fly people in uh, to D.C. and put them up for a couple days? You know, and, it, it, you know, he's Who like, flew uh, him in? What? Who flew him in? Oh, the, uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, Center for American Progress. I didn't know this until after I'd done all the research and I asked. I'm like, oh, oh. okay. Well, wow. duh. So and and this, this whole this movie, which I think it was probably really a good documentary. Although now, now that I can't find this Sergeant Yates anywhere, and when you see, I mean, how how would the military ever allow a documentary crew to get on a C one thirty that's flying wounded guys and guys with PTSD 
from Afghanistan to Germany, where that's the first stop, and allow them free, unfettered access to these kids, which are just completely messed up. I question that now. And now that this guy just seems to, you know, it's a great story, but, you know, where, how come we're not interviewing him? How come he's not out in the, the forefront talking about it? And I see the interview with the, with the, with the guy who made the, the documentary. What's his name? Uh, Matthew Hindman. He looks remorseful. And just all these. Oh, really? Dudes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just looks remorseful. Because his being his movie got hijacked, and I think co-opted, I, yeah, co-opted. No, hi, no, not co-opted. This is a hijack. So anyway, so um, go see the movie and tell me if there's flyers or anything else that that's being handed out when you see it. That's what I'd like to know. Uh, if this and because it has big distribution, this is not an independent uh, little uh, uh, little documentary. This is distributed by Weinstein. This is I mean, Goebbels is smiling. Sounds good. Yeah. Anyway, so that was my uh, that was my kudos to them. <laughs> yeah, let me give them a In the morning. good job. Good job, Eleanor Holmes Norton. You douchebag. Douchebag. I like her. Yeah, <clears throat> thing. it is funny. It's what? totally illegal. I think they should roust her. They should give her. They should. Uh, she's horrible. That woman. I've heard her talk way too often on C-SPAN. It's just like oh. oh. Oh, She's man. just a horrible person. Yeah, she also... Well, you know what? Um, so I think Breitbart... Remember him, the guy who got killed? <laughs> or who mysteriously died, I'm sorry, after drinking a glass of wine? Um, so he was the one that got this voicemail. And, uh, and so I was just reading through some of the historical stuff, because this only happened in March. And, uh, you know, all the news reports are like, you know, he's, he's going after a black woman. It's like, oh, <laughs> really? Really? He's going after a black <laughs> Yeah. And she does have quite, you know, she has a history in the civil rights movement and everything, so she's got all that. But, you know, let's just overlook the fact that uh, she hadn't filed taxes for seven years and then had to pay an $80 fine and penalty when she got nailed for it and then this thing. I, you know, I just, I, we should try that, John. We'd just be like, you know, oh, yeah. hi. Yeah, we'd is, both be in leg irons. But hi, this is Adam Cleaning and John. Cleaning crap by the side of the road. In no, a, no, no, in no, a, no, a, no, 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 no. For the newsletter. This is the newsletter. Hi, this is uh, the No Agenda Show. You know, we are just looking at our list, and we just, we just, you know, it's funny. Maybe Your we, name's not on it. Maybe you just use a different PayPal name or something. We can't seem to find your, your, you should just. Have you sent us? We any could money? actually legally do that, but when you're a member of Congress, you can't do that. Well, apparently she did. You can't it. extort a lobbyist like that. Apparently, uh, this everyone does this, and that's why it's not reported on. And uh, she did it from a campaign cell phone, so it's okay. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> no, duh. But did you hear about this story? No. Oh, no. And I'm I'm surprised. Well, if, so that's the only part of the NPR story. Then it go, you know. Then they kind of gloss over it, and they go into all this, you know, people saying, "Oh yeah, you know, Congress is blah blah blah." blah. Instead of this woman being, you know, thrown, yeah, thrown in irons, essentially. So, I, and I knew it. I could feel it. My bullshit ometer was tingling. My spidey sense was just going off. I'm like, "There's something in this room that's wrong, Parker." Huh? Yeah. So. So I got okay. I've got a couple of clips that are worth listening to that are reflective of the distraction of the week, mm. which is the 
over-analysis of Obama not giving a crap about the debates and and tanking. Yeah. Uh, one is that I, I thought the most creative excuse for Obama. Oh, Al Gore. <laughs> Did you hear that one? Let's play it because I have something to I had that clip too. I have something to say about it. Obama arrived in Denver at 2 p.m. today, just a few hours before the debate started. Romney did his debate prep in Denver. Mm-hmm. When you go to 5,000 feet, exactly, uh, and you only have a few hours mm-hmm. to adjust. That's interesting. Uh, I don't know. Maybe training at altitude. Can I, can I, can I yeah. say the first well, time? To me, just to one me, real quick thing here. I just came from LA the same day. You know what I did? I drank two cups of coffee before coming out here. No, no, I wish he had a coffee it's, or it's, energy It's drink. really different. The first time I ever did stand-up in Denver, I had the same exact effect. I flew in that day, and when your lungs aren't acclimated to that kind of air, yeah, it makes you drawn, it makes you That's off. Interesting. The president had an off night. Can I say something about this? <laughs> yeah, I have something to say about it, too, but go on. Well, first of all, when you are flying in your Air Force One, uh, the actual cabin pressure is set at about 8,000 feet. Uh, so during your flight, and I did he fly from Washington? I don't know if he flew, flew from the East. Who, who knows? He's wasting the taxpayers' money is all I know. Yeah, so uh, this is not like all of a sudden he's up there at the mile-high city. It's like... We did a show from uh, from Denver. Did I suck any more than usual? No. You know, I've been to Denver a lot, and I've been there on the spur of the moment. I've never had any of these effects. I played tennis once on a, a on the same day I arrived with somebody, and I didn't even <laughs> notice that it was. I didn't even think about it, and it didn't bother me. Now, if you're at eleven or twelve thousand feet, which I've been at, like Telluride, I think is eleven or twelve thousand feet, it, you get a little winded. But even there, you don't get pooped. I mean, I've played croquet at five thousand feet and had no well, issues at all. Well, maybe uh, maybe he's still smoking. Ah, right. That may be it. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's what was that actually uh, made. That actually may be it, but they won't bring that up. No, but maybe that's what that thing. Did, did you see the 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 video? We one of our producers uh, ISO'd the video of the the battery pack. No, I did not see it. Yeah, yeah it wasn't sent a copy. Maybe yeah, it was. No, I, I, no, I tweeted it. it. I tweeted a, a screen capture of it. Maybe it was just a pack of smokes. Yeah, you said that was the joke you used last time. I know, but it's true it's now. It's the altitude of Washington, D.C. It's got you dingy. <laughs> Maybe it's just true. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, anyway, so I I got, I just thought that that was the lamest possible thing to dream of. I mean, Al Gore, of course, no one saw it, but, you know, a few people, because he did that on <laughs> I the saw cart. it, and that Chunk guy, what a sellout. Oh, Chunk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sellout. So, uh, but just as a just something off the wall, here's the clip. What I think should be the clip of the day, yeah, uh, which is L Sharpton one, <laughs> with all the rest behind it. <laughs> okay. As we've been saying, last night Mitt Romney did a real job on the truth, but then he got <laughs> really low. He went after Big Bird. <laughs> that is what that is the L Sharpton show in a nutshell. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Clip of the day. Wow, I was really wasn't expecting it. <laughs> no, you deserve it. I, de- I bet. I bet you got a follow up for it. Anyway, well, well, the L, I just have a, the other L Sharpton clip is 
is out just for people who want to hear something. Uh, this is what, what passes for a, a show on MSNBC. If you can understand a word he says, the uh, clip is just simple. It's yeah. Al Sharpton <laughs> is an idiot. Finally tonight, a criminal investigation is underway in Florida. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement is probing a Republican voter registration firm that was hired by the Republican National Committee. We reported about Strategic Allied Consulting. The firm's accused of registering dead people as GOP voters, of submitting registrations with fake addresses, and of having similar-looking signatures on voter forms. The firm's run by Nathan Spruill. In the past, he's been investigated for tricking Democrats into registering as Republicans, secretly (laughs) re-registering Democrats as Republicans, and shredding Democratic registration forms. He's never been charged or convicted. But knowing this, the RNC still hired him to run voter registration. So this is a typical case of... um when a writer and a host uh, are separated by a, a concrete wall, and I've seen, and I, you know, this happens on television, uh, when someone who is writing is not writing for the person who is reading, and Sharpton is re- he has no idea what he is saying. He has literally has no idea. There's no real conflict except for that. They got you right. Oh. So he goes on and he says he's accused of this and accused of that. He's never been found guilty of anything. But despite that, the Republicans keep him on. What? What kind of a what is that? What does that mean? The guy is innocent of wrongdoing, apparently, because I guess he's never been found guilty. But despite the fact that he's innocent, they keep him on. Is that what he's saying? That's what he's saying. It's awesome, isn't it? The, Guy is an idiot, and the fact that MSNBC keeps him on on the show is astonishing. What is what what pictures does he have? You got to talk about that. Who knows? Unbelievable! Who Unbelievable! Knows? Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm 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 the more I think about it, I mean the whole Big Bird, the whole ses. By the way, how come no one is? talking you know with with uh with this comment about you know the funding for pbs does anyone ever watch pbs does anyone notice that they have uh, i don't know commercials every 15 minutes they don't need congress's funding it's a commercial no, outfit right it's a commercial outfit and and even so they'll they'll tell you themselves that the corporation for public broadcasting i think the government provides less than 10 percent of their funding or something it's a it's a small number yeah. so to pull the num to pull that out and let more of Arthur Davis vining and and Bill Melinda Gates and all these other people <laughs> pony up more. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. Let the uh, the Burlington Northern people give more money so they don't talk about trains. So um, some interesting things happening in uh, Europe. Uh, Angela, oh, wait, wait, wait! Before you wait, wait! Before you go there, I do have to do one more clip about this. Oh, because I want you to tell me if you catch you catch the gaff. It's kind of a gaff uh, about again. Uh, this is another rant about uh, Obama screwing up. This is from Carvel. James Carvel, uh, he's yeah. a mush mouth. You can't understand a word he says. But see if you can catch this little bit in here. He's from Louisiana. 
know, I said I had one overwhelming impression. I, I, I did everything I could not to reach it, but I had to reach it. And it looked like Romney wanted to be there, and President Obama didn't want to be there. He seemed like he was happy to be there debating. President Obama felt, gave you the impression that this, the whole thing was kind of a, a, a lot of trouble. I don't, you know, and this, you, you cannot, you know, go ahead. Now, I do not know. What we don't know is, again, we got to do, like we said, we got to think of what the judges think. <laughs> the judges? Yeah. <laughs> what is this American Idol? <laughs> oh, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I take it back. This is the clip of the day. <laughs> oh, oh man. Hold on. Let me get the, the jingle for it. I just rescind it. Clip of the day. Oh my God. We got to see what the judges think. Judges, what do you think? We have Britney Spears, and uh, well, I didn't like it when you did my song. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny wow oh man <laughs> what a douche <laughs> judges. the judges you know his wife sits on his head what's her oh. name yeah Marilyn Matlin 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 she's the it's funny because their politics are just the opposite but well the, that's their shtick yeah, who please, knows what they're... Please, you know, they're just that's money makers. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, they do a fine job at that. You know? You don't you don't see us sitting there raking in the dough, talking about judges. <laughs> judges. And let me just All hit, right. Let me just hit Europe for a second here. Yes. Uh, a couple things. So uh, we had... Uh, first of all, Athens is, is crazy what's going on in Greece. We have uh, Angela Merkel. She's uh, visiting. She, she will be visiting. Uh, they're going to bring out 7,000 uh, additional uh, police agents for her visit. <laughs> they're f- I don't even know why she... 7,000? Yes. I don't know why she's going. She must be insane to want to go there. You're, she's nuts. That, they, that's they, crazy. They literally put pictures of her in a Nazi uniform in the newspaper. Now, I can't believe that she's going there. But yeah, she's going. She's going to go say hi. Go check it out. She was see see how it's going on down there in the in the lower uh, the lower portion of uh, of her empire um and but you know there's this thing called um uh lagarde's list now this is very poorly reported if at all here in uh uh just in general and so here's what i understand that christine lagarde when she was still finance minister to france received a list of about 2,000 politicians mainly, Greek but also German politicians, who had received kickbacks and had uh, put a, an aggregate of 1.5 billion euros into uh, Swiss accounts in an HSBC branch in, uh, in Geneva. To be exact, 1,991 public and political figures were on this list. And she had given this list to the uh, Prime Minister of Greece. And so everyone's freaking out because, you know, the, the, where's the list? And apparently the list was, you know, that was on a CD and then it was stolen. And so the whole country is freaking out, but not just Greece, but in Germany as well. So it's kind of like some big blackmail scandal uh, about Lagarde's list. And this is, uh, it's it's supposed to have names from political media circles, and everyone's just kind of waiting for something to start leaking out, or 
Yeah, there's there's some huge scandal going on that, it, and it's very hard to understand exactly what is happening. But there's Lagarde's list, and we're just I'm waiting to see what names will be on this because it doesn't just have to be uh, Greek politicians. So uh, amongst all this, Angela is going to visit uh, uh, with her seven thousand troops, her Sturm Sturmbannführer troops, and we shall see. What uh, how this correlates? But I, I'm this is this is crazy. I'm th- I'm thinking this is not unrelated. I'm thinking she's going down to get herself a copy of the list or something like that. Seven thousand. <laughs> we thought Obama's uh, trips were expensive. <laughs> no, no, no. She's out of control. Uh, meanwhile, Spain very upset, very very upset with Mitt Romney. Uh, you'll recall that he said Spain spends 42% of their total economy on government. We are now spending 42% of our economy on government. I don't want to go down the path of Spain. <laughs> yeah. So he's not welcome in Marbella anymore. Yeah, that's bad. But the best one, and I think uh, you received this email, and then I saw the video. And, of course, uh, you can watch the video. There's There's no usable audio for the show. Um, but it looks, and we got this from uh, our producer, Nelson Ferreira. It looks like Portugal has, uh, has given up. They are a country in distress. In fact, I think maybe I had, maybe I do have the, the report. This might actually be pretty funny. Let me see. Uh, Euroland, Euroland. Don't I have a Euroland clip somewhere? Hmm. I guess I don't. Um, so they had the October 5th was their National Republic Day, which is a holiday. And there were a couple things different this year. First of all, they announced that the holiday will be abolished next year. Remember, this is their national holiday. So on the holiday, they said, hey, we're, we're not going to do it next year. Uh, the prime minister was not at the ceremony. The ceremony was closed to the public for the first time ever. And and here's the best part. And I wish I had that. Oh, I thought I had a video of that. Uh, they hoisted the flag upside down, which, of course, is the international signal for distress. <laughs> and, I, and 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 oh, right, that's right. When you fl- put the flag upside down, yeah, that means you're that's means you're in distress. And and so they hoisted the flag upside down, and it's like this is not a mistake, people. This is a real signal. We have to go into Portugal and and help our brothers and sisters. They're in trouble. Well, we got a report, which I'm going to put most of it in the next newsletter um, from Garcia in Spain. Uh, okay, good. And he had a couple of corrections he wanted to make sure we knew about. He First of all, he, dis- he explains the demonstrations uh, and how they relate to the public. But he did make one thing. Uh, he stopped. He started with this, this one thing. He says, the BBC report that we ran on the railway s- workers on strike. Yeah. Let me just read the sentence here. This will be in the newsletter. The protests against the privatization of the railways are something barely talked about here. Heard it first on the clip you played. (laughs) And he lives in Spain. In Madrid. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. So wait a minute. So, so what's the angle then? So what's the, the BBC is full of crap. It's nothing. It was it was a distraction. It was a distraction story. Well, maybe to keep us from getting to the point. Well, could it be a distraction, or, it, or is it related to their own train problems? Because they've had all kinds of shit with their trains. That it's, could be. Yeah, well, it can't be as bad as it is here. Yeah, <laughs> all right, possible. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It was. That makes sense. 
Yeah, well, and he goes on with some other very interesting deconstructions, which I'll put in the oh, in next week's newsletter. Oh, great. Yeah, it'll be very great. interesting. It's a lot of good stuff. Well, I have my own little deconstruction. Not hard to do, but of uh, course... Way, I'll, 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 I'll sign him off, though. What's going on around here? Mainly chaos and protests. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And... Right. No service for you! In Spain. I understand that in Spain and in Portugal, if you go there on vacation, that... Um, that you, you you don't want to show up with a credit card in the restaurant. They 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 want cash because of the uh, was it? Don't send your blankets or your money or yeah. your water. Just we just want cash. Exactly. We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. So uh, we were wondering, of course, you know how what is going on with these seats on American Airlines? Uh, we obviously know that there's a. Uh, uh, a union dispute going on. But no, 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 American Airlines has uh, come up with uh, the answer. I- I'm sure you were sent many copies of this, John, one of the most emailed uh, stories of the week. Uh, it is because of uh, soda and other gunk that has fallen on the floor that has loosened the uh, the actual uh, bolting uh, of the it's chair. It's eating through the fuselage. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Coca Cola should now be on the uh, on the banned list of uh, of terrorist substances because you know you can bring a whole plane down and <laughs> it starts coming well, apart. You may be missing the real point of that of that story. Okay. Another excuse not to serve anything by the cheap bastards that run American Airlines. No, no. Well, that was going to be my follow-up. Is it, oh, li- I beat you to it. I stepped on it. That's okay. That's all right. Welcome to my world. Yeah, but it's but that's exactly it. Like, I'm sorry, we can't serve you any fizzy drinks anymore. Would you like a cup of water? <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> it's, and Why it's, does anybody fly on those? That, actually, them and uh, what? It's really, it's just terrible. Ah, well, flying is just bogative. Who the hell wants to fly anymore? I so I've, 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 I have a theory. All right. So I came out of Seattle to come back here. And uh, tell me, I, how was your experience? Did you opt out? Well, I generally opt out. Uh-oh. But I found that the, nor- this, I think it's called the Northern Terminal. The first terminal, if you look at, this, at, the, uh, at the whole operation from a distance, on the very, very far right end in the corner, there is a, um, so a, a TSA thing, and, it, it, and you can get to every gate by going through that one. There's some ones you can't get to all the gates from. But this one you can't because it links you to the underground subway that goes around the airport that takes you all the different gates. And it's way over. It's just, and it was dead empty because it's so far away from everything else that it's like, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the furthest left entrance does not have a, uh, um, a scanner. Does not have a scanner. It just has a magnetometer. Mm. Now I'm beginning to wonder because Oakland has a uh, if you go into the southwest terminal two, the middle of all the the uh, x ray machines, the middle uh, aisle, as it were, if you wanted to call it that, uh, has not, none of the x ray machines, just has a magnetometer. Right. So I'm wondering if there's one spot in every airport for the insiders. Oh. That are going to do nothing but create <clears throat> problems anyway. It's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Look. We know you're going to come through this airport. We know you're going to ask for an opt-out. We know that you're going to do that because you're a troublemaker. 
and we're just going to take two up our time. We got to find some guy to feel you up, and we don't like doing that. Huh. So if you pay some attention, idiot, you'll find there's one row you can go down. It doesn't have the X-ray machine, and you can just go through the magnetometer, and that's that. Well, this is not the case at uh, at Austin, and this is not now the you case. Check every single entrance. There's across, only two. Every single there's only two. There's only two. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very sure. But then maybe it's only a California thing. I don't know. Uh, not in Los Angeles. It just seemed not in Los Angeles. It just seemed no. There's no way you checked all the entrances to LAX. There's too many of them. Well, I've, the ones for that I fly on. I mean, so I have yeah, to fly a different airline. Other ones. Once right, you're so. inside the inside the bubble, you can go go into any one of those things generally. Um. I'll yeah, bet but, you there's one at LAX somewhere. But you, you have, you know, okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just guessing. I could be wrong. Maybe other people that listen to the show, if they have their airport with one entrance that has no x-ray machine, uh, send us a note, and then we'll make a little database for our no agenda listeners, and then they'll know what, you know, they don't have to deal with it. Although, you know, it's always nice to opt out. Well, I get, think, you know, I think some, the idea of just having a... I think the idea of having a no agenda database... Of uh, of these types of things is great anyway, and I'm going to think about it. maybe it's just a wiki. Here here we go. For the first time in my life, I'll agree with you. This is probably a good thing for a wiki. Um, so it, it'll be. It's called the um, um, <clears throat> uh, the Premier Service. Uh, no pr- Premier. <laughs> what do we call it? Premier Service and Premier Valet Service Database. So we, you tell you every single airport where you can go through the premier line with your coach class ticket, and then uh, where you can opt, where you don't have to opt out, or where they have friendly uh, TSA agents who fill you up and carry your stuff nicely. Yeah, we should set that up. We what we should do is look at our list of URLs that we have a ton of and find one that would be appropriate and get a hold of the guy who has it and have it transferred to us. Put a wiki on it and just let it go. Just cut it loose. Hey, that's great. All right. Guess what? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, I'm going to put the Seattle and Oakland information in there. Oh, no, but I mean, follow through on setting it up. Oh, well, yeah, well. <laughs> well, there's that. So <laughs> There's so, that. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> you just told me... To go through the list, find a URL, contact the person, and set up the wiki. Is that what I just understood? I want to make sure. And then yeah, you, and I was hoping you'd pick up the cudgel. And then you'll enter Oakland and Seattle. Great. Now we got a deal. I'm going to show oh, yeah. my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Setting up a wiki. Yeah, yeah, wiki. <laughs> okay, wiki, let's wiki. thank a few people for helping us out on this show. Four, five, zero. Rebecca Martin, $133.33. No comment that I know of. William Ashby, Mobile, mobile Alabama, two, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, five, eight. Uh, <laughs> okay. My donation is a Fibonacci oh, sequence. Oh, yes, beautiful. I have found the media deconstruction very important lately. Give the chat room a two-to-the-head shut-up slave and me some karma for my next master's level computer science midterm. Shut up, slave. You've got karma. Chat room is popular. 
Terrell and Bean in Oakland, $105.55. Hello, gents. 55 for, 55 for the fifth anniversary show and 50 for my usual monthly amount for the great shows. Thank you very much. And here we go. Oh, no. Wow, wow, wow. But it's it's low. Yeah, we had, uh, by the way, I did a count last uh, show was 12, which was below our 14 and 22. And this is getting real slow here. <laughs> One, on the way two, out. three. It's on the three. way out. Yeah. For those of I you who... Is, I think this will be the last time we ever hear of it. Yeah, for those of you who... Podcast uh, for Peace in Alamo, California, 6969, why because... For those of you who listen to the show, uh, on, you know, listen to older episodes, by the time you're hearing this, it's already over. Gregory Davis in Lawton, Oklahoma, 6969. <clears throat> it's the Australian lost in Oklahoma. I was happy to hear my 6969 and Hey Citizens clips get used on your show. Thank you. So, so he's the one who did the uh, 6969. Huh. I think he might have done the other one. Oh, okay. So I thank think, you so much. Well, he says he heard it. Well, I, I know which one it is. It's uh, this one. 69, 69. <laughs> That's his jingle, I think. Okay. <laughs> By the way, when Netanyahu held up that bogative and meaningless diagram at the United Nas- Nations, the first thing that popped into my head was the scene from from the scene was the scene where some days you can't get rid of a bomb from the 1960s Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I appreciate the work you guys do. Keep kicking ass, and I hope you can use the jingle clip by email to play for some good old chat room is misbehaving. Yeah. Uh, I would appreciate some karma. Yeah, I'm not going to play his chat room misbehaving jingle, but I will give you the karma. Thank you so much. You've got karma. Because they're behaving. And finally, anonymous citizen from Waterloo, Ontario, <laughs> Canada, sixty-nine. And it reminded me to tell like I got the Canadian HD TV coming into the house up there in North, and uh, so we watched the National and all the good stuff you get from Canada. The National, by the way, is the premier network news show uh, with uh, this guy Mansbridge. Yeah, it's a great like, show. Well, it's a great show. It's a great show. They don't, I don't see it in the U.S. anywhere. I don't know why. I get it Anyways, on the interwebs. We got to watch the crazy. We got to watch crazy. There's a ton of government commercials going on in Canada right now, including the one, and it always says, brought to you by the government of Canada. And it's all just self-promotional stuff. But my favorite one was, starts like this. It goes, we spell Canada with a can, not with a can't. Oh, wow. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> Epic fail. Oh, wow. They pay, they're paying the big bucks for that one. <laughs> they need the Curry Dvor- the Canadian Curry Dvorak Consulting Group to go to help them out up there. That's, uh, that's what happened. That's what they need. You can, not a can't. Yes. Uh, anonymous citizen in Waterloo, Ontario, 6969. Please call me Anonymous Citizen from Canada. Done. Great observation that Obama's weak debate performance was a fundraising ploy. Keep up the addictive and insightful analysis and analysis uh, give him as a hey citizen karma by the way 181 million dollars apparently what he raised on that wow yeah yeah so uh yeah we give that one to you john you are absolutely right hey, citizen. you've got karma and that wraps it up 69 69 dudes last time you'll hear that well probably uh, unless some troublemakers get involved. Royce Kokami in Aia, Hawaii, 
6464. In the morning, fellas, appreciate two to the head douchebag. Yay for Cody being a lying and backstabbing asshole. <laughs> do we have a clip? I don't. I don't have a yay for Cody, but I can do. Uh, I can do all the rest. What was it? Uh, douchebag to the head. Yay! Okay. That's, oh, that one. That's what I got. That's what yay! I got. Right. Yay. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, it's Dame, good. Oh, good old Dame Tanya came in from uh, New York. Hey, Dame uh, Tanya. Tanya Wayman. Uh, New York, New York, New York. 5555 double shot donation for my birthday on October 5th. Missed donating for the Thursday show. Doe. On uh, a big happy fifth anniversary of the best podcast yeah, in the it's, universe. Uh, October 6th is her birthday. 6th. Yeah. Uh, P. Bo in uh, somewhere, parts unknown, 5555. Kurt Kubal in Mound, uh, Minnesota. 55, 55. Hi, guys. Enjoyed the deconstructions. I'd like to wish my wife a happy new year of her personal chronological earth calendar on 10 7, or as some people call it, a birthday. Oh. Yeah, well, she needs to be on the list. Is she not on the list? I don't think so. Hold on a second. Let me just check. Uh, what's her name? Uh,. Kurt Co- Kubal's yeah, wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's on the list. Oh, on there? Yeah, she's okay. on the list. On the well, list. Didn't you're, put the logo on here. You're on the list. Christian Collins, San Carlos, California, 5555. Last time I donated, asked for a job, Karma. Now I am pleased to say I got the job. So I'm donating because of the good karma that you guys gave me. And I laughed super hard when Dvorak told the chat room to screw themselves. Too funny. Anyway, Adam, if you have jobs, 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 I'll take that and give you guys the karma. Take care. All right. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, but it's not in my system. Hold on, I was also looking at tsastatus.net. Uh, what the hell was it called? Oh, crap. Jobs, jobs, jobs. No, it's, Pelosi. no, 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 that's the, that's the problem. I don't think it's called, I don't think it's called jobs, job, Pelosi. It's, oh, I feel like such a douchebag. Yeah, you found it for the last show. I know, but now, now I, I now I can't. You lost uh, it again. Yeah, it's. Uh, Why don't you oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I know what it is. It's this one. Here we go. And so she wants that with the karma. Yeah. Jobs. Yeah. Jobs. Jobs and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! <laughs> You've got karma. It's called "Let's Vote for Jobs." Oh, let's vote for jobs. That's why I can't find it. Okay. Sir James Howard in Indianapolis, 5555. Holy crap, the segment you just did, that bullied news anchor has won you guys a disciple for life. <laughs> or on that, you know, the one we did. Yeah. It was posted by a guy from Germany, and in the video description, he writes, no one is entitled to call her any names regarding her weight. Entitled means have the right. So obviously, we are entitled to call her names. Please, producers from Germany, slap some sense into your countrymen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, give him a hey shittison best podcast in the universe oh well, that's a very nice combination hey shittison the best podcast in the universe well German uh, twist to it Tim Connor in Edmonton Alberta center big dough stand up for free speech he says and these are all the so, uh, anniversary donations the 55 55s yes, yeah quite a few we're coming on it, and then this is going to be over. Sir Glenn Riccio in Charlottesville, Virginia, 5555, no comment. John in Pennsylvania, 
John and Adam in the morning, congratulations on five great years. My wife and I are celebrating our 10-year anniversary on the 5th of October, so I thought this would be a fitting donation. Please wish my wife a happy anniversary for me as well. Oh, heck, and a MILF shout-out. We uh, would like some travel karma for a trip to Boston in just over a week. Our first real trip without the children. Ooh. MILF. That's one mother I'd like to. You've got karma. Well, you know what's going to happen on that trip. New children. Uh, Douglas Kuhlman in Shevlin, Minnesota. Minnesota. 55.55. Being donating monthly from the start, I would like to use this donation to sincerely thank you guys for your hard work, fun, and congrats on your anniversary. It's not an insignificant milestone. Who knew the show would get this good in the beginning? You're the best podcast in the universe. Minute Man Woody in the great north woods near Alida, Minnesota. It's pretty interesting how you went from Fargo to Brooklyn. <laughs> I, I, couldn't make, I can't maintain some of these accents. They, pretty... they drift. It's called drifting. Yeah, Accent drift. Yeah, we call it... Uh... It's incompetence. Yeah. Electric Notary in Covina, California, 5555. Finally, the first... 42 minutes of show 444 broke through to my wife. Uh-oh. Finally. Hello, wife. She's finally a believer in the greatest podcast in the universe. Check out the Koch brothers exposed on current TV networks. Great. In the morning knowledge, more validation on how it works. Okay. Check out the Koch brothers. Let's have the Koch brothers donate some dough. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> that's what we need. Get those guys to send us some cash. Yeah, they could finance the show. Yeah. Anonymous in Staten Island, New York. 5510. I would like to remain anonymous. You guys continue to be the highlight of Leo's twit. After my last donation, I added a weekly 1212 subscription to trickle charge my karma, which has been working. Uh-huh. I decided to change this don- to this donation to get a special karma recharge because of a very important meeting on Monday. All Please right. send me some Huntsman karma. Huntsman karma. Oh, must be doing something with the Chiners. You've got karma. Good job. And uh, that's double nickels on the dime, by the way. Trevor Stasik in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. 50 bucks like a John Dvorak lost on Mumble. John Huntsman, Doctor Who de-douching. I don't know what that is, but we'll try this. <laughs> You've been de-douched. You've got karma. You get bonus karma. Bernie Atima, Adama. In Hinton, Iowa, 50 bucks, no comma. Deborah Ayers in Broomfield, Colorado. Uh, she needs a de-douching we suck. Uh, you mean okay. the we, she wants the we suck jingle? Uh, she wants a de-douching we suck, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, well, here we go. <laughs> You've been de-douched. We suck. Wah, 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 wah. Okay. Not sure why she wants that, but okay. Oh, Simon right. Alicia in Elsternwick, Victoria. Uh, by the way, I was noticing that the, the, a lot of the Canadians say Canada. Uh, they pronounce it Canada. And they even write it Canada. And it's mostly Quebecers that say Canada. As a half night, still loving the show, I get my news from you weeks before it's in the lamestream media. Listeners need to remember. That's true. We're way ahead of the curve on this. If you agree with everything you hear on a show, your mind is not being challenged. Also, I want to call out Dan Zoltak as a boner. Well, him a douchebag. Douchebag. 
who needs to step up and donate after listening for a long time, please give me some all-around goodness karma for my family with a WT7 stinger. Ooh, oh, stinger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck. You've got karma. WT7 won't go away. You mean good luck. Oh, ye of little faith, Dvorak. Wow. I'm surprised you could dig it up at that spur of the moment. That's been, a, that's been in, the, in the archives. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's appropriately labeled WTC7, so it was kind oh, of easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Instead of, let's <laughs> vote for jobs. <laughs> yeah. Black Knight, George Vanderhorst, and yeah. Katz Hovel. Katz Hovel, the bouncing hill. Thank you. I thought I mean a hole, a hole where cats live. Yeah, that's what it is. Sure. 50 bucks. No comment. Mac Harbor LLC. Uh, Rob in Sheboygan. Sheboygan, Minnesota. $50. Hey, uh, Rob here. Longtime boner, first time donor, putting in 50 bucks for a month for a night layaway program. Also, the motel I run, the Monarch Motel in Sheboygan, Michigan has been and continues to run its no-agenda discounts to boners, donors, and producers alike. All you need to do is say you're a listener of the best podcast in the universe, and you get a discount. He yeah. also says we can, we can get a free room. The, uh, it also wants people to listen to his podcast, The Robin Dan Show, on robindan.tv. It's a video game news and opinion show where you, we don't pull any punches good for you. Hold on a second. And that'll hold be hold it. Hold I hold also hold want to thank... Uh, I want to look at the monarch motel.com let me take a look at this place i want to also thank our new night uh night gooknicht from uh gooknicht gooknicht yeah. who uh, we actually met oh pull up curry and uh, mimi and i met him in uh uh port townsend uh, in a cool bar and he uh, handed over uh we handed him his ring that he was wanted and we handed he handed over us some salt oh what a what a good deal! <laughs> <laughs> he and wants to do meetups in in the Seattle area. You should he do that. He used to do this as a profession, one of his many previous jobs, I guess. So I really like the the Monarch Motel, but I, here's here's my recommendation. I'm going to give a a free Curry Dvorak consulting tip. Free? Free? <laughs> well, not free. Okay, there'll be a memo donors. about this. <laughs> I think you should go to the website, John, and click on photo right. gallery. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. <laughs> what's the uh, what? The Monarch Motel. What's a Monarch, con- Monarch Motel? Like you know, like like Project Monarch from uh, you know. And what, what's MK the Ultra. what's the town? Just do monarchmotel.com. Oh, dot com. I see yeah. it. Okay, sorry. Monarchmotel.com. This is a free tip. A free tip for the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group. When you are making, when you're p- posting pictures of your motel room, which looks nice, and it looks clean, it looks I simple. I see the photo, there, photo gallery. Okay, I'm about right. to. You see the top? Let me catch up. Yeah. And, and okay. you want, yeah? And you see the photo titled Room 2. Yeah, I see it. Okay. Um, when you take these photos, remove the coat hangers. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a good look in your photo. <laughs> That's nice. Looks like a nice room. It's a great room, but you got just one bedroom. Looks like a one bedroom thing. Yeah, you got to take the coat hangers. Yeah, the out. coat hangers. You got to go. That's that's really not a good idea. I would just close that. It looks nice though. It looks nice. 
Oh, we can get yeah, free a motel. Motels, you're in a motel now. It's probably not as good as this place. Uh, no, this place uh, this place is uh, severely uh, full of chunkage. It's quite uh, yeah, it's quite bad actually. But the room rates here are fifty bucks a night. Sixty really? a on holidays is eighty. Holy crap! That's a gr- that's a good deal. Um, we're no, we're paying more. We're paying like 150 150 for a for a motel room? <laughs> it's not a motel. It's billed as a hotel. Yeah, but just because they call it a hotel doesn't mean it's a hotel. Well, it's it, you know. Hey, look, man. This is uh, we're in, we're investing in Miss Mickey's uh, uh, the career here. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, that don't, concludes don't be our like that. Uh, segment of uh, our. Uh, and who did the art? We did always thank Martin JJ for the art. Yeah, so I, thought, uh, thanks, I think we're, I think Martin. I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, we're not good because we have to remind you. Dvorak.org slash na. And we have our fifth anniversary on October twenty third. You can go to Dvorak.org slash na. Twenty six. Twenty six. I thought it was twenty third. No. Oh, twenty six. And of course, we have. 10, 11, 12, that'll be this Thursday. Uh, that equals 33, and uh, John will put something up on the donation page. But any kind of help you can give us is always appreciated, and especially people who do the uh, 12, 12, uh, the 33s, the 49s, the 5. Um, there's even still some 4s and some 2s. It's all highly appreciated. Thank you so much for your support. It's your birthday, birthday. Happy birthday, says Dane Tanya Wyman uh, to herself. She celebrated yesterday. Uh, Kurt Kobai congratulates his wife. Uh, she would be celebrating today. Jake in Las Vegas says happy birthday to his brother, Matt Milligan. His uh, celebration was on the 3rd. And Craig Weinberg turns 33 today. It's the magic number, Craig. Congratulations to you and all of our birthday boys and girls from your buddies here at the best podcast in the universe. I always feel like uh, Captain Kangaroo when I do that. The birthdays. You do? Did you yeah. used to do that? I don't know. Maybe, or maybe well, more why like. Why would you feel like? <laughs> or maybe okay. more like Mr. Rogers. Just some kind of one of these uh, children, you know, because we're like, hey, happy birthday. Maybe it was I romper were, room. It was more, I, I was associating the whole bit uh, with the thing that used to be done on the Today Show by Willard. Oh, no. Hey, 100 years old, and she still reads the newspaper without her glasses. <laughs> right, that, that. Yeah. yeah, no, not that. And please draw your blade, sir. Here it comes. All right. Very good. Thomas Rice and Shane Castile, step forward, gentlemen. I am so proud to welcome both of you into the Elusive Club, which means you shall be receiving the ring that goes along with your knighthood as we bring you into the uh, the round table here. And because of your donation in the amount of $1,000 or more in total, we hereby pronounce the Knight to the No Gender Roundtable, Sir Thomas and Sir Shane. Please come on over for your hookers and blow, your rent boys and Chardonnay. Your shits and giggles and sake and your hot pants and booze and... Geishas. Geishas, that's what it was. Geishas and what? Sake. Sake and geishas? I couldn't, come, I couldn't remember the name. Geishas and sake, not sake and geishas. Huge difference. I gotta write this down. This, the list is yeah. getting so long. Well, it's getting long. I used to be able to do it from memory. Yeah, because it was one thing. Oh, and um, we had uh, visitors here. Sir Tom and... Uh, a dame, actually, St. Nicole uh, showed up here at the hotel yesterday. They came to see Mickey's show and say hi. Um, 
you know, St. Nicole is a nurse. That's why she went from a dame to becoming a saint. Uh, and could you just nudge uh, the uh, No Agenda Ring Department for me? Because they've apparently... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Apparently... Uh, she says she's going to get on it. Uh, she uh, Probably... Well, uh, well here's, okay. here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, she needs a size 7. Uh, but what and uh, and what what I heard yesterday, and this is no surprise because she was there when uh, when he said it, that they were going to uh, they they're waiting for her ring so they can get married. They want to exchange the night rings. Oh, okay. So well, I, we'll get there. I'll push uh, Mimi onto that so immediately. I, I feel pretty. I, I was re- like really embarrassed about this. Yeah, I'm sure you were. That's just the way it is. Yeah. These I'm, rings do not go on on a routine basis. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm, that's why I just said nudge. I didn't make a big deal out no, of it. I, I'll, I'll push it. If they're going to use the rings for something important. You mean, as opposed to hitting people in the mouth? Like, that's not important all of a well, sudden, John C. You know, I haven't seen that many people hitting the I mouth. I mean, police. Police. And just a couple things for the vernacular, for those of you who are new to the program. It is... Hitting people in the mouth, not punching, and it is the best podcast in the universe. Not the greatest, because the greatest is not quite the same as the best. Best is better than greatest. Yeah, they do say greatest a lot. Yeah, and it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Ah. Well, it doesn't bother me so much. Oh, oh, oh. I know it bothers you. Oh, science! Science! This just in. Coffee drinkers might want to think about switching to decaf. According to a nationwide study, people who drink more than three cups of caffeinated coffee each day could increase their risk of developing glaucoma. Researchers say compounds in coffee might increase pressure on the might. eye and cause glaucoma, <laughs> potentially leading to vision loss and blindness. Potentially. They say caffeine in tea, soda, and chocolate does not seem to have that same effect on eyesight. Yeah. Well, then it's not caffeine, is it? No, and uh, it was a meta-analysis that they did, John. I, you know, I couldn't get the report because it was, uh, you know, you have to pay to get this great report. Uh, and it turns out that uh, <clears throat> when, they were, when they looked at the results, um, women, this is only amongst women, uh, women who had uh, glaucoma in the family uh, seemed to have uh, an increased risk of getting glaucoma while drinking coffee. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so this, I, I guess there's a new Asanka brand or something come on. Have you seen anything yet? Is there a new decaffeinated coffee that's on the market? There's got to be a campaign coming up. Yeah, about, about decaf. Some yeah. Decaf Could it, I, I just want the uh, the producers who listen to the show. Why would they even sh- put this stuff on the news? It's a commercial, duh. That's why. It's a commercial. So I'm looking for the commercial. It's not as good as this one, though. I, I, I like this one. Um, academic from SUNY, Albany, which is a college, right? SUNY? SUNY! S-U-N-Y? State University of State, New York. That's right. SUNY. It's proposing a cure for morning sickness. Gordon Gallup, psychologist at SUNY uh, uh, Albany, has a theory... That pregnant women who are continually exposed to the father's semen are less likely to suffer from morning sickness. Gallup, who specializes in human reproductive competition, really, competition and behavior, offers. Competition? Yeah, he says human reproductive competition and behavior. (laughs) I guess it's. What? uh, Yeah. 
go, 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 go. <laughs> it's like, do it. You can do it. You can reproduce. Offers a theory that expectant women become ill and vomit because their bodies are rejecting the semen's genetic material as something foreign and unfamiliar. The theory could feasibly quell their queasiness by ingesting the same sperm in order to allow the body to build up a tolerance. So this, I think, is a brilliant move by this researcher who should receive a Nobel Prize. If I understand this correctly, he is advocating oral sex uh, for just before you get pregnant even, so you'll be used to it when you get pregnant and you won't have morning sickness. I think, is, I think, I think a, a round of applause. A, a round of applause for a round of applause for this researcher. I've heard a lot of ways to try and trick women into doing this, but this is this is the best, and it involves all the way. Too. This is at least as good as the popcorn box in the lab. <laughs> but this, I mean, this is great. This is real. I mean, this this guy is a genius. He should. He should we should erect a statue for yeah, this now guy. That, if you had a if you had a clip, <laughs> clip of that, if I had a that clip, clip <laughs> I knew I knew you'd like it. I do actually have uh, something uh, that I'm quite pleased about and uh, that I would like to discuss, but I kind of got to ease into it. Um, you know, J- Jim Savile, Jim Savile um, was a very famous disc jockey, and he also hosted Top of the Pops in the United Kingdom. And he and he had another show which was which was called Jim will fix it, and uh, he would go around and kids would have a problem and they send him a letter and uh, you know like oh Jim you know I don't have a I don't I need a swing set or I got one leg Jim <laughs> I need some help and Jim would uh, get on the television he'd come over and Jim would come and fix it. Oh hold on a second I got a big problem here I'm in the middle of my Jim will fix it story. And Mickey just texted me that she's outside of the hotel room, uh, and her card doesn't work. <laughs> so Hold you on. have to get up. Yeah, hum, 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 hum for a minute. Open the door. Yeah, hum for a minute. You tell her to stop wrecking the show. So I got yeah. this book. I'm gonna. I think I'll put quotes it's all right, in. Honey. The, the, it's okay because we have a study that shows how you can thank me for that. No worries. Okay. You, got so, you did that that quick? What, do you right next to the door? It's not a big hotel. It's a motel. You could have done this without <laughs> saying anything. No, I had it's to. Instead of embarrassing the poor woman. <laughs> okay. So, uh, would I, you I, please. I, I, I was going to say something. Let me. So, I got this. You well, got the I, picture it, of Jim? It's off top. Never mind. Keep going. Okay. So, you need to Google a picture of Jim Savile. And just Jim look who? at Jim Savile, S-A-V-I-L-L-E. He's been in the news all over Isn't the place. Is it Savile? I think it's Savile. I think that's how it's pronounced. S-I-V, S-A-V? Yeah, I-L-L-E. I-L-L-E. Yeah, I think that's it. Jim Savile. Maybe I'm wrong on the this spell. This guy with the cigar? That's the guy. Jim will fix it. Sir James Wilson Vincent oh, yeah. Savile. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, he was knighted and everything. So now the guy died a couple months ago. And now all these stories come out about how he was abusing kids. The Jim will fix it guy. And if you look at the picture, John, I mean, is it? Whoa, is that the president? The guy with the with the, he's wearing orange sunglasses. He's got a huge <laughs> cigar. He's wearing what looks like a wrestling outfit. Uh huh. And he's giving a big thumbs up, and he's got a pinky ring. Yeah, that's Jim that will guy. fix it. Yes, and he's a knight in the OBE. Yes, that's correct. So yeah, now, 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 now there's this huge scandal 
because it turns out that uh, you know he was fiddling about with little boys. And there's all these all these men are now coming forward who are saying, yeah, you know, when, when Uncle Jim took me to the party, and uh, you know, we'd, uh, there was all these other famous uh, famous people, and then they'd be uh, fiddling around with me. And and now one after the other is coming out, and of course this is after the guy's dead. After all, you have to do is look at the guy, and he has a show called Jim Will Fix It for Christ's sakes. <coughs> you got to know that there's something up with this guy. I mean, this is you can just look at the guy. Does he look like? I mean, if you had to draw a picture of a child molester, would that be the guy? He's pretty close to it. <laughs> yeah. So now you've got all these all these people saying, "Yeah, no, I worked at the BBC." Because, uh, of course, you know, this is the big scandal, is that people were telling superiors at the BBC, hey, man, and Jim is like, he's fixing kids, you, you know, but not like in a good way. And the BBC did nothing. Um, so now, here's an example. This came out just yesterday morning. I have to say, in the 80s, which is when I started in radio and television, things were very different. And I were, I mean, not to name any names, but I, I was once uh, very unpleasantly groped while I was broadcasting. Really? Uh, by, really? Uh, Famous individual who shall remain uh, mm. nameless, and when I uh, so go nameless, why not name him? So this, you know, it's, it's a bunch. Of, it's just a bunch of nuts. They're all like fiddling about and touching each other, and even John Peel is now impl uh, implicated in this. Of course, they only they only do this with dead people. So John Peel good. Sorry, you, who'd you say John Peel? John Peel. Oh, okay, famous, very oh, John famous. John Peel. Yeah, famous, very famous. Anyway. So, you know, and it feels like there's some, and of course, you know, there's still all this stuff. We, we recently talked about the woman who was up there on the, you know, the Isle of uh, Jersey and they're getting kicked out and they've got the orphanage there. And if you really get into this and you really read about all these, these people, you, you really quickly get the feeling that there's a huge pedo bear ring and it's filled with elites and famous people and politicians, etc., now, what has been one of my pet peeves, this show actually started around the time, what happened, John? I don't know. Yeah, you what? do. When I was on the radio station in Holland. Oh, yeah, they burned the place to the ground. <laughs> I get emails from people saying, oh, man, I, do you have pictures of the fire? No, they didn't actually burn it to the ground. But I brought up on the show that this the Secretary General of the Ministry of Justice in the Netherlands, Joris Demink, that he's a pedophile. And uh, that, that there was an investigation, and they stopped it, and it was a nothing to see here, and all kinds of people are being shut up, the media was shut up, and everyone was silenced. And uh, I brought it up, and uh, guess what? I got fired, and the station lost its license, lost its funding, and uh, it, 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 um, it, the equivalent of being burned to the ground. So this guy is now retiring in two weeks. He is 64. So that's pretty much the equivalent of being dead, I guess, in politics, since he's of no use to anybody anymore. And it starts coming out in mainstream media that he's being accused of pedophilia. And there's, some, there's a couple of uh, very uh, courageous lawyers, and they have taken this all the way to the Helsinki Commission. Uh, now, you may not be familiar with the Helsinki Commission, John. Uh, but it is actually, uh, it has its seat in uh, Washington, D.C. I'll read about the commission. Uh, the Commission on Security and Cooperation in Europe, known as the Helsinki Commission, is an independent U.S. government agency created in 1976 
to monitor and encourage compliance with the Helsinki Final Act and other OSCE uh, commitments. So this is obviously a human rights commission, and a couple of senators are on the uh, on the commission, and they hold hearings. They don't really have any power. They can't really do anything. But here is the opening uh, two minutes from the most recent uh, hearing on October 4th. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the guy's name again. His name is Demink, uh, although it is here pronounced as Demink. That leaves me speechless. What is going on here? Do the courts in the Netherlands take human trafficking seriously? No. This afternoon, we're going to consider how and to what extent allegations of trafficking and abuse should be investigated. We'll do so in the context of a particular series of cases in which very, very serious allegations have been raised against the Secretary General at the Ministry of Justice in the Netherlands, Mr. Joris Demek. Mr. Demek has been accused by a witness that will present today of sexually abusing and raping the witness when the witness was being trafficked in a brothel in Amsterdam at the age of 15. The investigation into these accusations was suddenly and inexplicably halted, and law enforcement officials involved were allegedly sworn to secrecy. Mr. Demek has been accused by two Turkish boys, now adults, of having raped them in Turkey between 1994 and the year 2003. At the time, the boys were 11 and 14. At least one of them was homeless and trusted the Turkish police officer who brought him to Mr. Demek. The other was allegedly locked in a hotel room with Mr. Demek, who assaulted him sexually. The allegations are shocking and horrible. Mr. Demek has a right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, and that is a sacred right that I'm sure we all want to protect. At the same time, the allegations, when taken in their full context, are credible and deserve to be properly investigated so that a prosecutor can make a responsible decision whether to proceed with the case against Mr. Demek. That investigation has never happened. The investigations that have taken place have been a travesty and have done nothing to clear Mr. Demek's name. Rather, they have raised further questions. Yesterday, the Net Netherlands Minister of Security and Justice, Mr. Opstelsten, wrote to the Dutch Parliament regarding this case and listing the actions taken by the Justice Department in regards to the allegations against Mr. Demek. The letter states, and I quote, the nature of Mr. Demek's job warrants a degree of vigilance, quote unquote. I could not agree more. The fact that Mr. Demek is the Secretary General of the Ministry of Justice, the very entity responsible to investigate the charges against him, should mean that the investigation into the allegations was one of the most thorough, transparent, and well-documented investigations ever undertaken by the Netherlands. Not only are those making the allegations literally taking on the Dutch justice system in person, in the person of the one of its top officials, but the reputation of the Ministry of Justice itself is on the line. So you can uh, watch the two and a half hours of testimony, <clears throat> link in the show notes at 450.nashownotes.com, uh, but it looks like uh, this uh, scum is now being uh, thrown so, under thrown under the bus. And well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, well, let's let's just, just stop for a second. Let's couple things. A, do, do you feel vindicated? I feel much better. Yes, despite the fact that you ruined that station. 
Do you <laughs> think this guy's actually going to get, they're going to get anywhere with this? I feel, uh, well, so I, I don't feel vindicated. I'm not a vindictive person, uh, but I'm happy that this is uh, coming to the forefront and that it has been published in mainstream uh, newspapers and that people are realizing that I, I guess the main thing is that I'm happy about is that I see people saying, oh, man, I heard you talk about that. Uh, so maybe yeah, the next six years ago before they burnt the station down. Yeah. But yeah. so maybe the next time uh, someone raises the flag, people will listen because, of course, it's been five, six years. And, and who do you actually expect that to happen it, to some <laughs> to some? Hey, yes. To some degree. Yes. Yeah. Well, good sure. luck. Oh, OK. What else do you want to ask? Nothing. I just thought it was a interesting. Uh, uh, it was almost like a catharsis listening to this. You're finally got your demon, this creepy guy, whoever he is, Demonic, Demonic, Deming, uh, is now under uh, scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah, good. So I was reminded of Jeff Smith. <laughs> Hopefully in some other manner than the, than this guy. No, 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 not our Jeff Smith, spelled with a G. Oh. But Jeff Smith, the cook. The frugal gourmet who was on PBS all those years. Yeah. And then was rousted as a pedophile. Oh. And even though he's married and the whole thing, which obviously doesn't mean that, that much. That means, that means crap. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? I'm just saying it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he was rousted as a pedophile. And then I, while you're doing the report, I looked him up. And the reason I, this came to mind because I found one of his cookbooks at some book fair. I didn't buy it because his, his cooking was always terrible. He's called the frugal gourmet. Yeah, and it and sucked. It, no, it was the frugal gourmet. It's funny because he died of heart disease and when he was sixty-five. Right, right, right. So he's the frugal gourmet. Suppose I don't know what frugal had to do with it, and he had this theme. I always pointed out. I, I turn his cooking show on once in a while, and I pointed out to the kids. I'd say, "Look, look what he cooked." It looks like everything else he cooked—a big brown mess. <laughs> and so uh, I would. You can ask. You can ask Buzzkill Junior. You remembers me doing this. I believe it. Like, look, look, a big brown mess. Everything he cooked looked the same. A big brown mess. It I was can like just a, imagine well, you. I can just imagine the kids going, "Yeah, Dad. Okay, we got it. Not, it was funny the first fifty times." It wasn't meant to be funny. So uh, he had a bunch of books out. The Frugal Gourmet, The Frugal Gourmet Cooks with Wine, The Frugal Gourmet Cooks American, The Frugal Blah, Blah, Blah. And he was, he was leveraging, it was on PBS, which I thought was interesting. And he was leveraging uh, his uh, little logo. For Another hotbed of pedo bear activity. Apparently. Yeah. Rife. I'm telling you. So I got, I got vindicated. Because he was making uh, crappy food? No, no, I'm talking about, you know, a, a prediction or something I'd said. Oh. Uh, Sarah Geek Girl out of uh, Rattlehead, uh, she uh, sent me a note to mention that it was in the Telegraph they wrote about this. A, a quote wait, you mean, from, wait, wait uh, you mean Sarah, our hot Russian uh, spy? Is that Geek Girl? That's my Russian spy. What do you mean? Oh, that's okay, well, she, she sent me a note then. She's your Geek Girl? It says Geek Girl. That's her very email is Geek Girl at. But, the, but she's supposed to be a Russian spy. She probably is, and she's reading the Telegraph, and she ran into this, and wanted to, she says, just wanted to let you know your offbeat prediction came true. Oh. It's a prediction I made about both this show and in the Twit broadcast, and everyone's going, yeah, whatever. 
The Korean, this is the quote, Korean-made Galaxy S3 smartphone hit the headlines recently when a California court ordered its maker, Samsung, to pay Apple a billion dollars for infringement of copyrights. Buoyed by all the free publicity, U.S. sales of the Galaxy soared briefly. <laughs> Overtaking the iPhone, industry analysts concluded that by telling the world that the Galaxy was really just like the iPhone, only cheaper, <laughs> Apple had done Samsung a billion-dollar favor. Well, that, and I'd have to say, their commercials are really, really good. You know, the one where all the idiots are standing in line for the iPhone? <laughs> right. That's a great commercial. I it's love it. It's got the connector on the bottom. <laughs> Whoa. That's crazy. Did they just touch phones? <laughs> oh, I, I do love that commercial. It's very funny. Uh, they're smart. A genius. The Curry Devorah Consulting Group couldn't have done a better job. No, I don't think so. That was done by some pros. Yeah, yeah. Here's a here's an ad for you, just uh, to get us in a little happy mood. At Walgreens, we know kids share all kinds of things, especially germs. That's why you always get your flu shot. This year, Walgreens will do you one better and check if there are any other immunizations you might need. Absolutely free, no appointment necessary. Preparing you for years of unplanned sharing to come. At Walgreens and Take Care Clinics, we've got all kinds of ways to arm yourself for flu season. And they're all right here at the corner of Happy and Healthy. At the corner of Happy and Healthy. Isn't that a Creedence Clear Water yes. risk they're doing in the background? D- down by the corner. Yeah, down by the Walgreens corner. Always That's on right. The corner. At the corner of Happy and Healthy. Get your shots. We'll give them all to you. Happy Not a problem. Get your shots. Get your shots, kiddies. Yeah, it's good for you. So I got a, uh, there's an interesting thing that's going to be coming our way. It's out of China. I guess it's too complicated in China to use credit cards. (laughs) So somebody came with this new idea and they're going to use this. And I think this could catch on worldwide. It's the finger and it's typical, you know, uh, new world. Oh, I I actually have some information on this. Let me hear the clip. Play the clip. Yeah. dare go shopping without carrying a wallet? Well, now you can by pressing your finger right here. The system will recognize your fingerprint and take money from your bank account without you having to do anything else. This is a biometric authentication system which identifies users by their fingerprints. And the payment setup is called fingerprint payment. Chen Xiaofeng, the founder of the company that developed this fingerprint payment system in Shanghai, says it will simplify everyone's life. Bank cards that everyone uses nowadays are actually just media that proves that you are the owner of a particular bank account. It is a medium of identification. We can now use fingerprints to prove that you are the owner of your bank account. One finger is enough. Most major banks in Shanghai have begun offering registration for the fingerprint payment service. Customers can register the service at bank counters, kiosks, or hotlines or websites. After registering their fingerprints, customers just need to press their finger on this device to pay their bills. Their fingerprint information will be processed and compared to those existing in the system's database. And if it matches, it pays your bill. The whole process takes around 30 seconds, about 10 seconds faster than the average credit or debit card transaction. 
I've tried it. It is very convenient. I like it. <laughs> Many white collar workers like to use fingerprint payment to pay for their coffee here. It's very convenient. The feedback is good. It is very fast, and no signature is needed. They like it a lot. Everybody in China sounds like Doug. <laughs> so yeah, that's obviously quite creepy. But no creepier than using your phone or the, you know, your Apple wallet or your Google wallet. It's all a very, very bad idea. The one thing I'll say. But yeah, but with the fingerprint? Yeah, that means that someone can chop wait, off wait. your finger. It's a, you, yeah, you have your finger cut off, unfortunately. But they have it so it has a temperature sensor. You have to keep the finger in some warm water. Or something. <laughs> in your mouth. You can just keep it in your I mouth. I think it's a new use for roofies. <laughs> for roofies? Yeah. What you you knock somebody, anybody out with a roofie, and when your right. bill comes, you grab them because they're passed. They look like they're your buddy's passed out, and you grab their finger and you put it on the thing. Boom, you're out of there, and you just leave the person there. I think. Uh, I'm telling you, this is going to be a scandalous thing. You're going to have people using roofies to not pay their bill. I think you're just going to chop someone's finger off, keep it warm in your mouth, and then take it Walks to the around like a, a cigarette. <laughs> now you got to roll it around in your cheek. Yeah, that's where you keep it warm. I, I will say I learned one thing from my friend who told me about the you know the Flowers of War movie in China. Um, he says that there is no such thing as credit in uh, for the typical Chinese. So everything you pay in advance. So you're, there's no electric bill that you get. There's a, the, he says every apartment has a meter, has a whole bunch of meters. It has meters for water, for electricity, uh, for internet, for everything. And then you go and you take your uh, bank card and you prepay and then you you can see the meter going down as to how much uh, you paid for your electricity huh yeah so I guess that's what they want it's just like uh, just stick my finger on it I want the whole country in debt yeah but it's it, probably it, all debit card stuff with the it's finger but yeah no it's it's direct bank cards yeah but that's kind of genius because that means that the typical Chinese slave doesn't have huge credit card debt. Right. Which is actually not a good idea if you want to enslave people. Well, you want but to put it, them into great debt. They're learning. But, you yeah, know, they'll, they'll figure it out. They got the whole finger thing working. That's a, that's a good start. And I wonder if you can use any finger. Can you use your middle finger, the little finger, <laughs> big finger? I mean, I think you should use the middle finger. Just put that down every time. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, great idea. Uh, all right, well, uh, let's see. Well, I got something here. All right, what you got? There's uh, a couple of things. Uh, there's a good report, a, a good report. This, I think, came out of China, too, a drone nightmare report talking about the drones, and the Pakistanis are finally t- deciding to do something yeah, about they're, it. Yeah, they're protesting. They're, they're pissed. Yeah, oh, a big protest. Critically, they hunt down the enemy without boots on the ground. But one no, former BBC. British soldier with first-hand experience says drones make it too easy to kill. James Jeffrey was in Afghanistan in 2009, monitoring live pictures from a drone. He saw what looked like a man planting a roadside bomb and was about to call in a strike. <laughs> then someone else appeared. 
the individual who walked up was a lot larger, you know, indicating that actually it was probably a child um, in the middle of the road just playing. And so obviously uh, at that point, you know, the engagement was totally called off. Um, but, you know, it was, it was an unsettling experience because I'd come fairly close to, you know, engaging that target, which was a child. At the forefront of opposition to the drones, Imran Khan, the former cricketing hero who now heads a political party. This weekend, he hopes to lead a protest all the way to the tribal areas. He told us the drones are backfiring. Are they decreasing the number of militants? Are they winning the war? Is there less extremism? Uh, everything is getting worse. There is more extremism in Pakistan today than ever in our history. The huge pieces which are uh, from the Hellfire missiles. Lawyer Shazad Akbar from the legal charity Reprieve is collecting missile fragments for use in court actions by the wounded and the bereaved. Yeah, so I read this morning that uh, they already stopped the protest. Ah, uh, yeah. Figures. yeah. Now, what, the, the question on my mind, besides the fact this guy was freaked out and obviously quit the job after almost blowing up some little kid that was just building a you know sandcastle, uh, what was this British guy doing? Is he working? It sounded like he was a British guy. What was he doing? Is he working for the MI? Is MI six doing this? Yeah, I mean, I thought probably. this was all CIA operations. Uh, that's What's a little- British guy doing, looking at videos. Yeah, that's a yeah, kill him. Yeah, I don't know. It's very unclear to me. Well, it's it's like this what happened uh, yesterday. Who is spying on Israel from the air? That's what its military is wondering after shooting down a drone in southern Israel. Look at this video. A statement from the Israel Defense Forces. It says it is not clear where the drone came from, but it carried no weapons or explosives. Israeli soldiers are searching for clues in the area where it was brought down. So I was talking to uh, uh, our knight here who uh, who showed up. Uh, yesterday with uh, with his lovely dame and saint, and uh, he, um, he let me just put it this way: he he's uh, from Virginia, and so he's saying the thing about the drones, and he says you have no idea how many how many drones are being built and shipped all around the world. Is there's no accountability, and this is exactly it. This you know when you hear some British guy, he could be working for a company, John. It doesn't have to be uh, an army or an intelligence unit. You and I, if we if we can pony together enough money, we can build a drone. We can have it go fly somewhere, and if we you know, you know we got a competitor, like we make an iPhone, like hey, you know what? We got to just screw these this Apple company. Let's drone Foxconn. We can do that. This is the problem with the drones. Is no accountability. You don't know who they, you know, they, they, they don't all have the American flag painted on the side. In fact, even the American ones don't have the American flag painted on the side. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You've seen the drones. They're just a big piece of gray metal. And so these things, anyone can, you know, look, kids are flying little mini drones. But anyone could put together a drone and, you know, and now there's enough parts and enough pieces all over the place. That you can, uh, you know, it's it's going to be used for uh, for industrial warfare. Well, they had that guy. It was a YouTube video. I think we discussed it when it came out about two or three, four, five months ago. Where this guy had rigged up a submachine gun. Yeah, that turns out that's fake. Oh, is the whole thing was fake? That video was fake. Now the but the, it, it's maybe fake, but it's a doable situation. You yeah. could do it if yeah. you had enough a big enough drone. That, by the, the way, problem is a weight. Weight is the issue. That that's my favorite guy. That's the Russian guy who sh- who shoots all kinds of crazy weapons. Yeah. His uh, his YouTube channel is without a doubt one of my favorites. But that one with the uh 
the machine gun mounted on the drone, that was fake. And I have that on high authority from one of our other producers, also enlisted somewhere. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I gotta start watching what I say. We have so many people telling us so many cool things. Uh, for instance, what's really going on in Syria and Turkey? Yeah, I have a clip Syria? about that, hold too. On, hold on, I'll play it for you, and then we'll play yours. The civil war is spilling over its borders. Today, the Turkish village of Govechi was hit by two mortar shells. Nobody was hurt, and it's thought the shells were lobbed into Turkey by mistake during fighting between Syrian rebels and regime forces. But the Turkish military returned fire for the fourth day in a row. Turkey has openly sided with the rebels in Syria's conflict, though so far it hasn't intervened directly. Now some fear that border skirmishes between the two countries could escalate into a regional war. On Wednesday, a mortar bomb fired from Syria killed five civilians in a Turkish border town, including a mother and her three children. In response, the Turkish parliament voted to approve the use of force against Syria if it's deemed necessary. Today, Turkey's deputy prime minister described that decision as a warning. We have to protect our sovereignty, our security and the lives of our people, he said. So I'd like to point out that uh, some of the uh, bombs that uh, have been lobbed, as this report says, they were lobbed over the border, which like that has a very, is, maybe that's a, uh, an, a British expression that doesn't translate well into my brain, but, you know, this is not like just someone lobbed one over the fence. <laughs> kind of, well, the report I have, that's a British report. I think mine is from China. Yeah. And so it has a different, slightly different twist to it because the Chinese are more uh, inclined to back Lib- uh, Libya or Syria. What was once concern and speculation appears to be turning into reality. A third straight day of sporadic fire between Syria and Turkey is stoking fears of a regional conflict. But that's something nobody wants, including those leading Syria's opposition fighters. We do not want Turkey to get into the war with Syria, but we want humanitarian aid, such as bread, water, food and medicine. Thank God Turkey has helped us a lot. On Wednesday, Syrian troops fired a mortar bomb into Turkey. It landed in a residential district of the southeastern Turkish town of Akçakale. A woman and four children from the same family were killed, and at least eight other people wounded. In retaliation, Turkey fired back at targets inside Syria. Syria apologized to Turkey for Wednesday's mortar attack, saying such incidents would not be repeated. But on Friday, another mortar landed inside Turkey from the Syrian side, and the exchanges have now continued for a third straight day. So here's the only problem, uh, John, is that the mortars that have been landing in Turkey, uh, not all of which have exploded, are NATO bombs. Uh, The Syrian regime does not have NATO munitions. No, they have Russian munitions. Right. So these bombs are are clearly being lobbed over uh, uh, by the so-called rebels or Al-Qaeda or whatever stupid name they have to get Turkey into the game. Well, I think Turkey may be the one sending the bombs because they they want to get in the game. They remember they when they yep. when the when the Turkish jet flew over Syria yep. and then was gunned down. The Turks made a big fuss about oh you're attacking us. Yep. Well, yeah, your jet was in over, you know over our airspace. That's why. 
And they said, and then they went back to the, to the drawing board. He says, "Oh, this is no good. This is, no one's going to back us on this one." So Even wait a minute, a wait shot. a minute. So they are actually doing to their own people what they accuse the Assad regime of doing. They're blowing up I'm their just own saying, people. They're the ones who have the NATO munitions, as far as I know. They're part of NATO, aren't they? Yes. I mean, what would the rebels be doing with NATO gear? Well, that it's been given to them by uh, by uh, us. Well, yeah, man. The more likely. Who's the, who wants to get into a war and, and take over the place? You have to know that a lot of these people, who a lot of these rebels who are now in in uh, Syria, came from Libya, and Libya they definitely got NATO munitions there. Well, whatever the case is, who really be, who wants to be in this war? I think that, and, and if you notice, most of the mortars have hit in the middle of nowhere. I think it was an accident that one of the okay, things I'll hit and killed that. a woman and I'll her, her kids. True. What? Well, there was somebody in that place, you uh, idiots. Yeah. No, I'll and take so- that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, I take it. Well, yes, we know that Turkey wants to be in it because they have a strate- very strategic uh, uh, benefit from this. I st- I am still not thinking that uh, th- we're going to have any real no-fly zone NATO action um, for a while because this is just fine. I think uh, you know the Lucifer Clinton loves this. Just let everyone fight, and and maybe we can get Lebanon involved. Let these guys all fight amongst themselves, and we don't have to do anything. I think it's I think so far so good on plan. It's a win-win. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I th- <laughs> win-win, baby. Well, that's not actually what she said. You know what she said? What did she say? It's almost too delicious to believe, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You walked right into that one. I was expecting it. Oh, good. Good, good. I good. knew you had that clip lined up. Because <laughs> uh, if it was a real good clip of something that was meaningful instead of just a joke, <sighs> you would have played it on top of me instead of trying to set me up. Right. I know you're evil You know ways. all my tricks. A uh, very important report. Uh, I think we have discussed the law of the children. This is all part of the United Nations uh, who want to take away parents' rights. Uh, this will be, and this kind of comes out, you got Agenda 21 on one hand, and uh, we have to, uh, and maybe this plays right into the, set, the pedo bear rings, where whatever it is, we have to give more, we have to make laws for more reasons to take your children away from you. Delaware has become the first state to pass a controversial law that effectively outlaws the corporal discipline of children by their parents. Now, the bill redefines child abuse laws to include any act what? that causes pain. Delaware's attorney, General uh, Bo Biden, son of Vice President Joe Biden, of course, he says the old law needed to be changed because it had been difficult to prosecute cases where a child was too young to speak or otherwise nonverbal. No spanking is what that means. Yeah, it's what it means. Yeah. No spankings. Yeah. And, and the kid can uh, report you. Yeah, and then they, hey, <laughs> oh man, spank me! So I put a gun on him and said, "I'm turning you in." Punk. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how the kid's gonna talk. <laughs> and that's uh, Joe Biden's you son. You don't think the kids will use this as leverage? Do uh, <laughs> please. So it hasn't actually been passed yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to that one. But, th- but this is a, a real initiative. This is a real United Nations. We remember we read the, 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 what was it called? The Law of the Children, wasn't that what it was called? 
Yeah, the, we uh, spent quite a bit of time on it, even though I can't remember what it's called. But it's, uh, yeah, it's another United Nations piece of crap designed to ruin all civilization. Yeah, it's uh, right. Like the rights. food see. crap. Let me just, I want to Rights of up. the children. It's some, you're right. It's some, some, yeah. Something dumb. Uh, rights of the child treaty. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah, okay, by the way. If you're a Muslim country, uh, let's say, I don't know, Pakistan, they would have to put this in play the rights of the children, but you can beat the crap out of them as your wife or a girl. Well, if they deserve it. Yeah, well, they always do. <laughs> You're worse than I am. Rights of the child. Let me just see. Uh, let me see. New World Order. I'm just looking at episode 410. 410 is when we talked about it. And, uh, yeah, the rights of the child. Wow. 40 shows ago. 40 show. How early were we? 40 shows ago. That's like 20 weeks early on the show, on, yeah. the, on the message. And now Don We're Lemon. so far ahead on some of these stories that it's like nobody even rem- you know, This is always a problem if you're, if you're a good visionary. You get so far ahead of the curve that by the time the curve comes around and is revealed. No one remembers. that you ever yeah. be, were way on this like, you know, 20 weeks ago. So is that a good thing? It's like five months ago. <laughs> I don't think this is a good thing. Well, uh, we have no choice. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. So I have an end of show clip, which I think is worth playing. All right. I think we should be rapping. Okay. Uh, Oh, is that my cue? Ah, there we go. Yes. Uh, China investing in the U.S. Uh, This year we heard earlier that the, the, the Chinese were... Right, you know, needling us about that. Uh, yeah, we're investing in Africa, but we're actually investing more in the United States. So I thought it was interesting that they're investing in certain cities, and the city they choose is like, wow, they choose what? And they're they're moving in. The Chinese are going to turn the United States <laughs> into like another colony. Well, regardless, we're going to have a road trip to that city to go and uh, see if we can pick up some cash. <laughs> from the Chiners. <laughs> 10, 11, 12 is coming up on Thursday. We look forward to seeing you there and your support of the program. Of course, our October 26, 5555, our fifth anniversary. Go to Dvorak.org slash NA. And I'll be back at home base, Camp MoFo, everybody. So looking forward to that and bringing you another stellar episode of the best podcast in the universe. Coming to you from the town of Douche here in Washington in the District of Columbia. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I reside, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, episode 451, right here on No Agenda. And a reminder, No Agenda producer update coming up next right here on the stream. Local American officials try to entice 150 visiting Chinese investors with details on logistics and other incentives in their area. This isn't New York or Los Angeles, though. It's Toledo, a small industrial city of 300,000 people in the state of Ohio. This conference is the culmination of four visits to China by Toledo's mayor and his staff to cultivate interest in their city. I, when I went to China, there were cities that uh, 15 or 20 years ago uh, had 50,000 people, and now they got 15 million. So if you want to learn about economic development, you go to where economic development is occurring, and it's occurring at an, an unnatural pace. The Great Recession devastated Toledo's economy. Bell has straightened out the city's once destitute finances. Now, he says, foreign investment, especially from China, is a key part of his strategy to create jobs. 
Chinese developers bought one of Toledo's two downtown hotels. That same company organized the recent conference and has set up an incubator to help Chinese companies explore the area. When we started the whole planning process, we never anticipated we have this much turnout. The hope is that connections made at conferences like these will one day blossom into concrete partnerships. I didn't know Toledo, Ohio before, but through the conference and experts, we now think that it's a good place for investment. This is my first visit. I need to learn more about local U.S. laws and policies, as well as investment conditions in Toledo. Now, last year, Toledo had already secured a major Chinese investment in real estate there. A group known as Dashing Pacific purchased some prime riverfront real estate right in the middle of downtown Toledo, where they plan to develop a multi-use complex that will include shops, housing, and office space. All told, that could bring in about $300 million of investment, and it could end up being one of the largest Chinese-owned real estate developments in the United States. Craig Morrow, CCTV, Chicago. Yay! The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A